thoughts I cannot say to you If I don't say the words that maybe it's not true Good evening everybody, it's Andrew from Toon Talk Radio in association with Nova Radio as well, which you can hear on Google Play. Go to www.toontalk.co.uk and you can listen live to the show and also on Google Play with Nova Radio. You can't get enough of us. Well, it's been an interesting weekend for Newcastle. I thank God we won. My goodness, the hella high water has been going on with Newcastle United. Everybody... Really, I felt like everybody needed that result and terrific. But of course, we've we've had a lot of um, information passed before the game with with regards to Rafa Benitez. So we'll get into all that in a moment. Plus, Mitrovic has been banned from the FA. Where do you start with that kid? But anyway, um, if you want to call the show, it's 0191 538 9781 on all things Newcastle United and hopefully a bit of on Sunderland considering... We think we're bad until you actually see what's going on with their craziness. But uh, my regular co-host with us uh, tonight is Neil Mitchell in Dubai. Good evening. Good evening, Neil. Well, good evening, Andrew. Just a little point of order, mate. Mitrovic hasn't been banned yet, but he probably oh, yes. will be. He's, he's under investigation again. <laughs> uh, but we'll get to that later on, won't we? At the end yeah. Of the day. All that, you know, all that matters is, is three points. And that's really all we should be talking about. And actually, you know... I laughed before the coverage at the weekend because there, there, there was even, uh, you know, things written in certain parts of the media mm-hmm. and certainly the media asked so that West Ham were going to go to struggle in Newcastle. Then I looked at the table and they were, they were below us on the table. I mean, hang on a minute. And, and, and I just think this whole thing with Mitrovic, and again, I'll mention this later, I'm sure, there seems to, we seem to be playing to a totally different set of rules in many ways to everybody else. But anyway, so be it. Three points, that's all that matters. Good performance, good win, good desire, good passion. One message to the owner, one flag in the Gallagher. Are you watching, Mr. Ashley? Because you know where the fans are. Yeah, I, I must say, when I, you know, when you look at when you look at the game, I must say I watched it myself, and um, you know, it, it was Nitton took early. I thought it wasn't it wasn't until you know we actually you know, took the game a little bit to them and took the mm. lead, uh, which. You know the the one player that stood out to me, maybe to yourself, but was there's a few of them actually, isn't there? But I like it's amazing that I wasn't really a fan of Atsu when he came to Newcastle. I thought you know what the guys can probably do anything he wants, but he does the least amount of work. He scored a couple of goals in the championship, but I didn't think I, you know, you saw the electric speed to go past players, and to watch him go at players. And make an instant decision instead of just waiting and waiting for what to happen. You know, for the Premiership is about that, isn't it? It's about taking the game by the scruff of the neck. And he was one player that I just liked from the outset. The one thing I'll say to you, Andrew, the, he put a little cameo in at the tail end of last season, including a cracking free kick that he scored. But he. he there was, there was some of the games where he popped up open that run in. Uh, you um, uh, think about the goal, the second goal against Brighton, where the crossfield ball came from Richie, and he took that down and moved it in and crossed it in for the winner. And he did it in one movement, and he has he has that ability. 
Now, I don't know what he's been doing over the summer, but he looks stronger, mm. he looks quicker, he looks fitter, he looks hungrier. You know how they say some players just look better in the Premier League? Mm. And he might just be one of those, but he has been a real highlight of the first three games. There's no doubt about that. I think uh, the one player... You know the one player that seems to have brought a bit of elegance to the, the team, and I think we're, we're hoping and hoping and hoping is um, Marino. Um, I oh, think man, some honestly. of the some of the touches he like. I I don't. I'm one of the people I hate. I hate looking at players um, little clips of them before they join Newcastle because it's 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 never the it's never pans out the way it normally does. But watching him, some of the flicks, some of the dragbacks. Oh, He's you, something special, isn't he? You look at look at it this way. He's he's not really had much of a pre-season with Dortmund. He gets chucked in at the deep end game one because Shelby's an idiot. Game two, he's still in at the deep end. Uh, and I'm sorry, he, in terms of class, he was the best player on the pitch by head and shoulders on that, in that game on, on, on Saturday. Um, that lad looks like he can do everything. And I think he, I think somebody put some stats up. Now, I, I'm... I hope I'm right in saying this. I hate just banging out stats that may be wrong. Um, fake news being a trendy news, trendy <laughs> word at the moment. But um, I think you had the most most accurate passes, the most forward passes, the most tackles, the most interceptions, and something else as well. You know, it, it, if you want to look at somebody who's bossing the midfield, um, but what I love about him is, is he's got that ability to pick a pass and he looks really comfortable in the ball. And in this flight, you need somebody in the middle of the park who can just put his foot on it and take control. So, you know, early days and all that, but I'm very hopeful. I'll really, for me, he can stay in that midfield alongside Hayden and Shelby can wait his turn. Yeah, I think that uh, when you look at the, the back as well, I was gonna, I'm was going to get this now, I suppose. But mm. um, in, in Bemba, um it's interesting that he he was definitely out of favour last season, mm-hmm. and you know he, he gets to me. He, he, some players look good in one division, some players look good in another. But you watch him, and he does have something, and I, I do like him. Um, I I think when when, you, when I watch him play on Saturday, he, he comes forward, he gets involved, and he wants to make an impact. Um, mm-hmm. And then you look at the Newcastle team, uh, if well, once the players get fit, you, you're going to take. Well, he'll, he'll obviously, by the looks of it, anyway, he'll he'll take out um, um, Lascelles. A bit of a strange decision to make him captain if you're not going to play him. But um, if uh, it's because to me, the first game of the season, you know, he didn't he didn't play him, did he? So um, I did. So it, it's an interesting. It's going to be an interesting battle all season Look, um, with the players in there. Wouldn't you rather have? a decision to make about who to leave out than wondering mm. who the hell are we going to put in. Um, Mbemba's got the ability to do anything he wants and I, t- I tell you my take on him is I don't think Benitez trusts him as a centre-back yeah. because he doesn't keep a position. He goes wandering forward with the ball, disappears. He can do that from full-back but he ain't really a full-back. Um, I think he plays games for his country in the centre-midfield that might be somewhere else we'll see him pop up somewhere through the season. I don't think we're going to see him at centre-back much. Um, I find it curious that um, he, he's been hired out at left full-back where he can go a walkabout. 
but he's right-footed, so he narrows the pitch down, you know. Um, okay, it's shown holes in my squad, but when we've got somebody who is left-footed in Clark, who should be able to slot into there comfortably, and then in Bemba State centre-back, where he, which is nominally his position, yet Benitez doesn't trust him. And I think there's reasons why Benitez doesn't trust him, and I think it's all about, you know, sticking to the plan. And I don't think he sticks to the plan. I think he gets carried away in the midst of the game and goes walkabout. And I think that's the problem with him. Um, I like the kid. And he always seems, you know, do you know, for all he didn't play that much last season, he, he was, you never heard him whinging about it. He wasn't, yeah. his agent wasn't in the press every other week saying, man, he should be playing and I'm not going on the manager's door. And, you know, we all know players, we've had plenty of players like that. Um, so, it, while he's in the team, it's his place to lose. Um, we'll see what it's like after the transfer window closes and after the um, international break that's forthcoming. Yeah, it'll be. I think um, obviously the transfer window is just around the corner. Um, but to me, when you watch when you watch it, when I watch Mbemba um, play, there's definitely there's definitely um, there's not a lot of thinking going on I, when when he when he plays. He, he, he get he does get too caught up in it, and I think um, with Rafa wanting these players to be on the ball and you know focused. Um, but you're right; it could be an option uh, because you know you, you want as much uh, in the midfield area. You want more players who can make things happen, can can change change things around, and be a bit more forward. Because mm-hmm. if you look at look at the players they're trying to get rid of, especially Jack Colback and um, Pros- I haven't heard anything about Sh- Shelby yet. I'll be surprised if he, if they sell him, even with the shenanigans that that's been going on with them. But um, that perf- that performance, I did. But I did expect more from West Ham. I think um, in, obviously I think with Andy Cal being out, it's definitely affected their their way of thinking. Uh, because you know, quite clearly, they, they they would have just had him, you know, against his old team. They would have been absolutely flogging the ball to him. But when it comes to them, you know, some, a lot of people can say, well, West Ham were a bit hard done there because of their stadium. They've got to pay the, all their three games away from home. But you can only you can only deal with what you you've got. And it's interesting well, watching well, the managers well, be under pressure uh, with mid well, with. Well, then you've got a stadium for free. <laughs> yeah. You can play a few. You can play a few games away from it, just because you know. Because get on with it. Boo hoo. Poor, poor Spurs playing at Wembley. Oh, the I know. So. Boo hoo. Get on with it. Poor Arsenal. Oh, we're, we're a disgrace. It's terrible. Sack Wenger. What after you know what fifteen Three years games. almost continuous bloody Champions League football. Boo hoo. Suck it up, sunshine. Dear. Mm. God, some of the, some of, some football fans are bloody precious, mm-hmm. absolutely precious, and they get away with murder. But winning fan out, yet we're the ones that get hammered week in week out for having unrealistic expectations. What that our team link might put up a fight, that we might want to sign a few more players and watch a team like no disrespect for them Huddersfield breaking their transfer record week in week out, and we're still shopping in Poundland. You know it. it, it these are not unrealistic expectations. We, we just want to know what the hell's going on. We want to compete on and off the pitch. That's it. That's mm. all we're interested in. Making a bloody good account of it and wearing the shirt with some pride and players who wear the shirt with some pride. We've mm. got a manager who wants to do that. We've got a team who seem to want to do that. Now we're shifting people and we seem to be getting ready to shift a few more and that hopefully will let 
Rafa get his get some more bodies through the, the through the door that he wants, um, and that's all we're asking. It's 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 not unre- unreasonable or unrealistic, but let's all have a whinge because we've signed millions of pounds worth of players and we've had to play three games away from home because the stadium that we got for two pounds six is is got to be used for something else briefly or you know it's, it's ridiculous. It's absolutely ridiculous. Boo hoo for them, you know. Struggling Newcastle, eh? Struggling Newcastle. <laughs> I think it it it, it obviously um, when it comes to the media. It, it always it always does seem to come across that um, you know there's definitely a, a concerted effort in in lots of um, lots of areas. It, it's it's, it's, a, it's, really. it's a combination of and and we'll speak to the guys later on about this because these, these you know you, you speak to some of the regional journalists who've got a, you know something positive to say George Colton Simon Bird people like that mm. people who've been in the region for you know who 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 know it and. What have you? And, and they struggle sometimes with what ends up being put in the papers from centrally from London because that, that they have no control over. But it's a combination of just lazy journalism. It's very easy to trot out the same old spiel. Um, I mean, I've been out the country. What this is coming on to year six now, and talk mm-hmm. sport. I, I see, you know, because I see people ranting about it on Twitter. I'm still trotting out the same old rotten diatribe that they were when I was listening to them regularly and getting wound up in the UK. It's it's. <laughs> It's, it's no different. It's an easy story to write. Oh, the expectation of Sooness is on the telly every five minutes. You know, um, excuse me, Graham. We didn't expect you to totally dismantle the Champions League team and leave <laughs> with a pile of dross. You know, I know um, pundits. <laughs> Talking about pundits, we've got we've got our first guest this evening. It's Gary Foster, a freelance journalist on the side while working in the belly of the beast. He plays cricket and fixture secretary for Hilton CCC, and he manage and he manage uh, Hilton SCFC as well. Good evening to you, Gary. How are you? Good evening. Not bad. Not bad. Thanks. Good. 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 So, obviously, we've been talking about Newcastle this this weekend, and um, what what's the situation? We'll get Newcastle in a minute, but how do you what the situation with Sunderland is a very you know it was very convoluted situation there isn't it and it and it just seems to go in in a in a different direction to what i expected uh but what's your thoughts on the the manager and the players and obviously they've been caught drinking having something to eat at newcastle at the botanist it's, you know, you, plus that you know you've had um one of their players being caught um drinking drunk as a lord and it, it I, I must admit i expected Sunderland to start slowly get a few results and then start to really kick in. But what's what's your thoughts on them? Um, well, the, the basically, I don't think it's to anybody that's seen them on a regular basis. It hasn't come as a great surprise. The Grayson's managed to put together a couple of signings, and and the signings are really um, triers rather than um, quality. I would say, you know, they work hard and they work hard to get the ball back, work hard to get into positions, but. They need a proven goal scorer, and they, they really haven't got one, which is the biggest gripe. But they're also struggling at the back, which I think has surprised some because they thought maybe they might be able to handle the championship a bit better. But they don't seem to have, have done that. And I think it's a real major thing with Sunderland is confidence. And they're still one of those sides where if they lose a goal early on, you think they're going to struggle from here. And that's been the case so far, I think. I think when they sold um, when they sold Defoe, which was going which was going to happen anyway, 
and the lack of the lack of money. Uh, when you look at when Grayson came in, you know he's going to he, he you know he's going to bring in the players like the players that can play in that league for uh, for a sum of money which obviously Newcastle had. So yeah. when Sunderland come down, uh, probably Neil, you might know uh, when it, the money from the league from the Premier League won't kick. When does that kick in, uh, Neil and Gary? I'm sure you'll know, but. Do you know when it came um, from? The, well, the parachute payments, you don't get them till the second year, mate, which means we've mm. never had a penny of And that's one of the reasons Dashley's sort of excusing why there's not so much there to spend. Because what happens is if you come straight back, you don't get any of the parachute payment, and the parachute payment's distributed through the rest of the teams. So all those teams who were bleating on about parachute payments winning the league should be grateful we got promoted because they got some of the money. Um, <laughs> and I think it'll be the same situation for Sunderland, and that's why they... You know, you look at some of the players they have sold. They have sold basically most of that strike force. And, yeah. Um, uh, hiya, Gary. How are you doing? Hiya. Um, right. uh, no, I, I totally agree with you. Yeah, it's 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 a thing. Everybody thinks, oh, we've got this money coming in from the Premier League, and mm-hmm. it's really just it isn't the case. You've, it isn't. You've got it second. <laughs> you've got it end of the first season, stroke second start the second mm. season but you don't get it straight away so everybody who thinks of this massive war chest that they should have there to spend on it just it, it isn't realistic no and, and, it's, and it's often used by the time if you don't come straight back up you've got so much else to pay off you've got wages you've got people you've got to shift it gets gobbled up by things like that because that's technically what it's intended to cover you for but, I mean, um, it, it gives this false impression that you're quite right. The fans think there's this massive bloody war chest of money. Now you've got to cut your cloth of suit, unfortunately. Yeah, definitely. I mean, the, the trouble is with Sunderland as well. You've got this massive wage bill. That they, mm. I, I know the players took a pay... The, well, most of the players, sorry. I think there's only Jack Rodwell, for some reason. He's the only one that didn't have it written in his contract <laughs> that he'd take this cut. <laughs> Um, how they how they managed to sneak that one through, I'm not sure. But he's the only one apparently that doesn't take this cut upon relegation, and I think he's um, he's one of the ones that's trying to get out the door. But it's very difficult because he hasn't shown anything that would make anyone consider paying paying the wages that he's on. I think. I bet he got he's, free boot of healthcare with that as well. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he's one of these. Rodgers, one of these players. Uh, Gary, well, you would know more than me, but. He, he could be an absolutely superb player, couldn't he? Could, he could be. A, he was always linked to being a box-to-box player, wasn't he? Yeah. When, when he was a bit younger, and now <laughs> the guy never never plays, and the fact that he hasn't even made an offer to, mm. you know, take a, take a, a less money in, he, in his wallet, it says a lot as well, doesn't it? But are you surprised that there hasn't been more, you know, strikers from from the lower leagues that they could bring up just to. You know, at least have a. If you have this, if you have players from the lower leagues, bring them in. They'll have such a tr- tremendous fire in them to, you know, to be close to the Premier League and to be playing at a higher level. Are, are you surprised that they haven't done more? Well, it, it, it just the, the difficulty being is that, you, and no disrespect to the lad, but being linked with like Jordan Hugel from uh, Preston North End, and I'm seeing the deal. Two teams are apparently being knocked back with their eight million pound bids. So, and so like, if, like, there's not really. I mean, I know he got he's managed to get James Vaughan on the team. He's got Lewis Grabben on loan. But it looks like you know if these guys like Hugo are going for like eight million quid, and you're talking, they're talking about trying to get um, 
Jordan Rhodes on Chef, from Sheffield Wednesday oh. on loan, and he's another he's another one that sort of moved around without actually doing really anything at the top five for like seven million quid and eight million quid, and they just they just haven't got it. So it's like they've literally got to wait and see what everybody else pays for people, and then see what they can get afterwards. Really, exactly. we've talked about this the last couple of weeks, Gary, and and, and I'll, I'll say what I've said all along. This transfer window is probably going to be the first one where you're going to see lots of deals going down to the wire because it takes big movement to start a turning and everybody's playing brinksmanship. It's who's yeah. going to blink first, who's going to put the cash on the table and mm-hmm. how low are you prepared to go because it seems like five million is, is, is two seasons ago one million at the minute. It's, it's, I'm seeing yeah. some ridiculous prices for players. I mean, I look at what we just got for Sem De Jong, who's another one who must have free book of healthcare in his contract. Yeah. And uh, and Manny Rivier, when you look at the combined money we've just got for them in the last two days, that's yeah. bonkers. That's bonkers. One's got two left feet, and the other one's got one foot because the other one constantly keeps dropping off. And yet <laughs> yeah. you, we've got a thick end of £10 million for them. That's crazy money. That's it. I mean, I think Stoke have signed uh, Kevin Wimmer from Tottenham mm, yes. today. And while I think he's a decent player, like one time you wouldn't have heard like a, a bit part defender going for eighteen million quid, but apparently that's what he's going for. I mean, it's just nice. it's, it's absolutely crazy the prices. It's like you know when you the, the thing for me when you look at we look at Sunderland, you think well, it's for two days before the transfer window closes. Like I I would have, I would have seriously expected a lot of players still to come in and players be linked with going out. Um, do you think they'll get because they well, they need a lot of players, don't they? How many players yeah. have they got on the in the squad? I don't know, but well, it, it, I think everybody, I think everybody looking at it from a Sunderland perspective thinks they definitely need a striker um, on top of what they've got. Probably maybe a creative midfielder in an ideal world, but they probably need a defender. But again, the problem Sunderland have got is if they go out now and get what they can get, I mean, the big link, I think, to deal with a, a guy from Motherwell, centre-half. Um, but the problem they've got is if they go out now and, and get what they can get, and then some somewhere tomorrow, you know, there's a Turkish side apparently in for Kazri, there's a Turkish stem, then there's apparently interest in Kone. Mm-hmm. The trouble they've got is they're going to have to wait until more or less the last minute to see who's going out before they can look at who's going in. I think Grayson said all along that they have these plans in place, but it's just a case of these clubs come in last minute for your players. Are you going to have enough time to get deals over the line to replace those players? And I think they're trying to... One, they haven't got the money to spend, but two, I think they wait until the last minute to see who's going out before they really look at like, what they can get in. Yeah, it's been a strange one, wasn't it? Because the back end of the season, there were put up for sale quite you know of, it was new, everybody knew it was going to happen but you know there was rumours that they were going to be bought by this German consortium and there's lots of things flying by but you know the trouble with Sunderland it's probably the same in Newcastle but if somebody wanted to buy Sunderland how much are you looking at? Well the, the trouble is that I think the owner I think I think yeah. these figures are right I think the owner owner around about £110 million so no. It's a, it's the same case, really. Even though, like, I know Newcastle are doing very well at the moment, but it's the same case that if anybody wanted to buy Ashley out or buy Short out, then they're going to have to pay that money first to pay them off, then money to buy the club, and then find money to put a 
sort of you know transfer war chest together, and that, that's where you're at really with both clubs. I think. No, you're you're absolutely right, and I, I think to to I, I think the biggest problem Sunderland have is to keep the FFP thing ticking. He didn't he convert yeah. a significant amount of debt to equity in the club, and that's why he personally is worth. Yeah, right, yeah. I, I, I believed it was 120 million. What's or 10 million be, amongst friends? What's yeah. 10 million amongst these friends days, these days? These days, I can't yeah. even get you to spend it off. <laughs> can't even get you an average holder. Um, so, um, you know, you've got these big hurdles, but it's very difficult then because you've got an owner who's very publicly said, I'd like to be out, please. Yeah. But he's got to keep the thing ticking to keep the asset at a certain amount. Um, yeah. Also, as we found, I don't know what Short would be like to deal with. I know there was rumours that he'd said it quite openly once in the boardroom he wasn't going to ruin his family's fortune the way Randy Lerner did it at Aston Villa, but um, which was, was a bit of a, a stunning thing if that was actually what was said. But at the same time, he's obviously got that on his mind. And he's in a very, very difficult position because... The longer you stay in the championship, the more the club is devalued, and therefore that 110 to him suddenly looks like a big, big price to pay for mm-hmm. the club, depending on what the playing staff's like. And it would be, I guess, from Sunderland's point of view, to see you almost want some of the big ones out to sort of yeah. redress the balance, but you don't want it all to happen tomorrow. And then suddenly mm-hmm. find you've got to sign six or seven players before the deadline, and you don't know where you're going to get them from. Yeah. And people know you've got money burning a hole in your back pocket. It's it's a mad, mad, mad game of money go around poker. It is. Minute. I mean, from for me, I know we've got this like sort of sky sort of loving with um, the transfer mm-hmm. window, and, and like they they'll be giving it big licks from like now until like eleven right. o'clock <laughs> from, tomorrow night. But to me, I think. I think most people within the game who are not interested in sort of making it a spectacle, making this window a spectacle for Sky, sort of think like, it should be done and dusted before. If you're going to have a transfer window, I mean, I'm old enough to remember when transfers happened basically at any time, but if you're going to have a transfer window, it should really be done and dusted before the start of the season so clubs know where they're at. Even like the smaller clubs, like, you know, like further down the leagues, they they're in the same predicament as like Sunderland, or they they get the best players poached at the last minute, and they've got nowhere to go to try and replace them. Or like you say, if they do get enough time to replace them, everybody knows how much they've got in their back pocket, and everybody wants a piece of it. You know, it's 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 absolutely crazy. It's just like FFP, which is currently being oh, it's a joke, isn't it? FFP by, by yeah. PSG and, and a number of other clubs at the yeah, at but, stands. Um, yeah, it must it, be nice. It must be nice when you can somebody can just give you two hundred odd million to buy out your own contract, and, oh, and it doesn't affect FFP. Bonkers! It, it really is bonkers. It makes no sense at all. But look, the transfer window was another method that was supposed to be brought in to level the playing field, and yeah. all it's done is it's 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 staggered it again because the the haves can bully the have-nots. Yeah. In uh, either bending because. You might not get this much offered again. You want to take this now, or yeah. they can push it right to the last minute by saying, "Well, you can have this player, but I don't want ten million. I want fifteen now." Yeah, definitely. And and, 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 and so, uh, for me, you're quite right. You do one or two things with the transfer window: bring it to buff when before the season starts, mm. so everybody knows they've got what they've got, and they're not having to readjust the entire squad 
part of, like three or four games into the season, or you just do away with it. Yeah. Because it isn't I mean, working. The, For me, it's not the, working. The only people yeah. are benefiting from it are Sky. Yeah. The other thing, the other thing that always seems to come into it, I don't know, if, like I don't know the exact records, but it always seems to be. It always seems to happen on an international break. You've got all these players sort of flying out with the international teams, and oh, he's been let go from the train and got to go. Just mm. seems an absolute nonsense for these people sort of flying halfway around the world or whatever, then or halfway across Europe, and then then back again to sign a deal or have a medical, and then flying back again mm. to you know to get back involved with the squads, and it's just just seems a bit well. The great. French, well, the French one, uh, he won't allow it. Yeah, uh, he's, probably, he's, yeah. he's a Deschamps and. He's probably the only one I've heard that won't allow it. And I think with that um, Mbappe um, looking like, you know, how can, how can he, he can't even be presented because I'm not, sure, he, I'm not even sure he's been picked for the, he must have been picked for the, the squad. So yeah. it's just a bit of a, it's, you know, the, you've got, I can't, I can't see any, any of the clubs agreeing to that because they've got so much to, to lose by by having it in at the start of the season because yeah. obviously players get injured and they want to make changes but it, you know when the fit, when the season finishes the players have got to break, have a break as well and you've got the world cup you've got the european cup you've got the qualifiers so there's going to be lots of excuses that that's just a couple of my mind but yeah. you know i, I can't i you, you hear from the top echelons of clubs who want it but I believe, <laughs> unbelievably, one club that doesn't want it is Newcastle United, which is a bit, yeah. which is even more strange. But it, it, it affects the whole football uh, pyramid, man. You you look at teams. How many look, third and fourth division teams, or sorry, second and third division, whatever you're going to call them these days, um, end up with no goalkeeper on the bench and a teenager in goal. And and they're applying to the football league for an emergency goalkeeper loan because yeah. they've got to run a minimum mm. thread thread base squad because the the purse strings of the club don't allow it. Some of them, you know, some of, some of those teams are still sending the players home to do their own bloody washing. That's how <laughs> tight they are for money. And so they they haven't to run with a transfer window, and then suddenly they get hit by injuries or conjunctivitis or something bizarre, and they suddenly find they can't do anything about it. It's it's bonkers. How how's that helping them? It's yeah, not. It, like, it's, it's, it's helping the it's helping the clubs at the top of the food chain, isn't it? So Absolutely. your Barcelonas and your, and your PSGs and your Man Cities and your Real Madrids who can afford to pay whatever they want and can afford to charge whatever they want, then that filters down to the next level of clubs and the next level. And the, and the further and further you go down, the worse off they are for for this transfer window, which really is just. It's window dressing excitement for Sky, in my opinion. It serves no other purpose than getting everybody glued to a television at 11 o'clock or whatever time <laughs> on, on the deadline day while we watch these, these fellas walk about in the yellow ties and the women walk about in the yellow dresses and everybody gets right. all excited. And, there's, and a bloke stood outside of a football ground reporting on nothing happening for six yeah. hours solid. It's yeah. just absolutely crackers. Yeah. I think it's now they start really early, don't they? They start yeah, like yeah. seven o'clock in the morning just to be able, just to be able to you know get people interested and like the worst thing is we all get suckered into it because at work you you're checking Twitter you check you're checking everything and it just gets, gets insane. Well, I, I, I don't think there's many. I, I would be surprised. I mean, there's probably a few that's going to prove us wrong, but I'd be very surprised if we know any of any 
sports journalists that actually enjoy transfer deadline day. It's it's, a, it's an absolute nonsense. Really. It's, a, it's a circus, really. I mean, you've got these these guys on the sky going back sky again. You've got these guys standing in now. They stand them in the football grounds to do these pieces to the camera. And you're doing everything like, oh, this is where we've come for a sausage sandwich. They let us in, and we're having to sit down and look at the pitch. Doesn't it be because there's nothing actually happening on the transfer side of things, but they, they've got to fill with, you know, with absolute nonsense, really. Yeah, I was gonna, I was gonna say when it, when it, what's been your impressions of, we'll get Newcastle in a minute, but what's been your take on Grayson, uh, you know, because you went through a few managers, didn't you, before you yeah. decided to pluck him from Preston North End and. Uh, he's he's one of these player. It must be he's one of these managers. You would never think for the love of the love of anything that he would be a Sunderland manager. No, I think I don't think he was many people's first or second choice. But I think <laughs> what what's pleased the Sunderland fans, I think those that have seen him, is that he he seems to be there telling it as it is. Now I know yeah. a lot of Sunderland fans. Went um, lost the plot with Moyes because of he was, he was saying how bad things were. Well, Grayson's basically turned around and told them, and then can come out and publicly and told them, this is what's wrong with the football club. This is what you've got to do to put it right. Um, you've got to fight for the shirt. And, this, uh, and I think it's actually the way he's gone about it because everybody knows that he's sort of this manager. That, that that's the mould he was as a player. That's the mould he is as a manager. No nonsense sort of thing. Uh, and it is what it is, really. It's probably, in terms of what Sunderland need, in terms of, mm. like, to manage the finances and to turn things around that way, it's probably the best um, they could probably get because he, he he doesn't mind. Well, I don't know if he doesn't mind, but he's prepared to roll his uh, sleeves up and just deal with the situation at hand, which apparently a lot of others weren't. You know, whatever reason, Derek McInnes came down and had a look and said, oh, no, thanks, it's not for me. <laughs> <laughs> and a few others. So he he saw it is for what it is, and he thought, well, right, I don't mind getting my hands dirty. And, and I think Sunderland fans this season, it sounds ridiculous, but I think the majority of Sullivan, or, or, or more Sunderland fans than not would settle. And yeah, they want to be caught the playoffs wise, but I think they'd settle for a season. It's, it's a daft as it sounds. Settle for a season of consolidation where they're not going seeing their side getting that. Uh, absolutely um, battered every week and it's just like right get rid of him because he's on a load of money and he doesn't want to be get rid of him and then start building again because I think that's where they're at really they've got to they've got to cut out the rot and then start all over again which is really difficult but I really think that's that's where they're at really you're being linked with Ross McCormack is that right because one I heard yeah I mean again that would be another well that that's another thing. Like Villa, I think Villa are hold now because they want to try and sell him. Mm. Someone the same will take him on loan. So it's again, it's a bit like the yeah. the Jordan Road situation. I think mm. Sheffield Wednesday they want a few quid for him, but someone again is saying, well, we can't give you a few quid, but we'll take him on loan. Um, but the same with McCormack, I think. Um, the interesting thing would be how they afford his wages. So um, it would be a case of our. Oh, Villa, um, or in the case of Rosewood, willing to like, take a little bit of a hit and say we'll pay a percentage. But then again, it all depends. Like if Cornier was probably one of the highest paid players at the club, if Cornier went and Casri went, then there's that bit of wiggle room to sort of pay McCormack's wages and get maybe get a, a couple of other people in from lower, lower down that won't, wouldn't be on as much money. So it really all depends on who goes out, I think. Like, that's the biggest problem someone's got is the waiting for somebody to come in and 
let them know who they want and what they're willing to pay, and then some are able to cut their cloth accordingly, which is it's a bit of a waiting game, but that's how it is. Yeah, I did. I did think they would sell. I must. I did think they would sell more players in quickly. You know, especially with the yeah. the transfers. Um, but I think everybody, you know, is kind of waiting till the end of the transfer window to make these last minute deals and where people get desperate to get you know people from off their wage books. I think that's the same with Sunderland, but I, I would th- suggest that Sunderland's going to be far, far busier in the last couple of days than what Sunderland are. But um, what's, what's been your reaction to Newcastle and um, obviously Rafa, the, the never-ending saga that um, you know he's now be he was linked with uh, West Ham United the weekend by Pete Graves, who's been a guest on my show. Um, I found I've, I, I personally have found the media to be very comfortable. Well, it seems to be very carefully orchestrated to try and make um, Rafa look bad anyway, in some respects, because uh, I think in lots... It's interesting that, he, like Grayson, I think this is why Newcastle fans like him. I suppose that's why Southern fans like uh, Grayson, because he comes out and he tells he tells the truth. Yeah. However, you know, you know, tell, tell me what you think, so I could go on forever, but tell me what you think on what, on what you've seen and what, what you've picked up. Well, to, to, to quote... Uh, uh to quote another, a former Newcastle manager, I think Rafa's finding out it's not quite what it said in the brochure. <laughs> um, you know, I Very think, um, I think, you know, he's, he's been, made all these promises and, yeah, I think Mike Ashley can come on and throw out these smoke screens and saying, I haven't got the £200 million to compete with Man City and I haven't got the, but I don't think anybody ever mentioned two hundred million quid. I think no. he just he expected the money that he was promised that mm-hmm. if they went up he could have the money and I don't think he's been given that. But I think another thing from what I've heard from behind the scenes with Newcastle is it's not just um the transfer fees that are causing the problem. It's the wages and apparently they're missing out on well Pelinez is missing out on what would be his first choice signings because Newcastle won't go that little bit higher on the wages. And in terms of what's being paid out today in modern-day football, um, from what I've been told, it's, it, it's not a massive amount of money that they're, they're not willing to go. You know, it's not a case of... I don't think it's a case of um, footballers asking for tens of thousands of pounds more a week. They're asking for a couple of grand more a week, which you would think in today's modern game, you'd be like, well, it's, it's nothing really... But apparently that's one of the problems you've got. They're not willing to go above what their what their first offer is in terms of wages, and that's causing real problems. That's well, yeah. It, but the trouble is, if if he's now turning around and saying, "Well, okay, um, I just want what you offered me," because if yeah. he if he if he if he was just in charge of that domain of bringing in selling out, uh, the interesting one I've took from it all. Just that, again with the window being open, um, you look at players like um, like Dwight Gale being linked with a move out. Mm-hmm. Now, I agree with that. I don't know what Neil thinks in a minute, but we'll get to him in a second. But Dwight Gale, when he played for Crystal Palace, he didn't play that much, did he? He uh, no. he did play well. He didn't well obviously when they were in the championship, but. He did. He, he, that seems to be. I know it sounds awful, isn't it? But it comes across that's his level. But on the flip side of that, if you had Dwight Gale coming on from the bench or starting him here and there, he would cause problems for any team. Mm. What do you think on him? I uh, well, I think 
you've got to tr- you've got to trust Benitez. I mean, if if he doesn't know the difference between a Premier League player and a Champions League uh, Championship player, sorry, then we're all in trouble. I mean, he bought he went out and bought Darrell Murphy to do a job in the Championship, and then he sold Darrell Murphy because that was what he bought Darrell Murphy for. And I don't think I don't think there's anything wrong with that whatsoever. I think that's that's good management. But I think the difficulty Benitez has got now that if you sell Dwight Gill on the last day or so, he's then got to find a replacement. And on top of that, I'm seeing um, today saying that um, Mitrovic is being charged with violent conduct by the FA following um, an incident against West Ham. So then if that's proven, then obviously you're going to be out without Mitrovic for a couple of games. So you've just got really Jocelyn then. And, and so he really needs to be allowed to strengthen them. I mean, it just seems crazy. I'm not saying they give him millions upon millions upon millions to spend, but it seems crazy that he's doing such a good job to, to get Newcastle back to where they want to be and they're not going to give him the tools to do the job that he wants to do, which is where you get to, really. Yeah. Well, uh, I've seen them, somebody saying Gale could go for £20 million, which is frankly bonkers. Um, and, and I think if we could get that money for Gale, that's great, but we do need to strengthen because, firstly, as Gary Rightly says, you know, there's not that depth there. Uh, secondly, it looks like I mean, Mitrovic has been charged now with violent conduct, um, and he's got until 6 p.m. on Wednesday to respond. And we know what the outcome's going to be because we we get the thin end of the wedge with the FA when it comes to things like this. Yeah, you don't Keyes, you don't tend to win those, do you really? No. This Richard Keyes across in Doha, who's been bleating on it since the end of the game, not that anything to do with the fact he's a hairy-handed West Ham fan, um, has been absolutely whinging, whinging, whinging about it. Yet, you know, um, we don't get anything off the FA, and we haven't... We didn't last season either. We got some very bizarre outcomes and calls, and we're not going to get anything this season, and it's quite quite apparent. It, it's a three-match ban for Mitrovic. It's going to come, and this is why time and again, like we had this conversation on a number of occasions of last season, he's not to be trusted. He can do anything and everything he wants. When he's playing well and he's scoring goals and he, and he, he looks the part and he is the part and he's doing his little shush, well, stop your shush celebration. You've undone yourself because now you've gone and done it again. And getting sent off at the, in the last game of the season against Spurs meant you missed the start of the season in the championship, and it means you never got to get a run in the team. If you're constantly getting yourself sent off at stupid occasions, you you're gonna, yeah, you, you know, you're gonna, um, you're not gonna uh, see it through. And I think that's why Rafa doesn't trust him. I think he's perennially gonna be on the bench, and I think he's another one. If a good offer was made, he'd be sold. But we need assurances, and we need to see that it's not again another. I mean, Jocelyn's look great. At five million pound, he may look like the bargain signing of the season if he continues to play the way he did on Saturday. But that's not how we should be spending, and that's not me being an unrealistic Newcastle fan. That's just realism based on what everybody else is doing, you know. Yeah. And 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 I think Gale, Gale's problem is injuries, and he already looks fragile in his hamstrings, and the season's only three games in, mm-hmm. you know. So I think. Um, 
we need some more bodies through the door. I think the the, the, the looks like Hanley's on his way. Mm. Looks like Lazar's on his way. Rivier's on his way. De Jong's gone. Uh, and, and we may lose another couple yet, and that hopefully will give him leeway to bring the people in he, he wants and needs. But they're not going to be his first choice. Again, as Guy Ritchie says, I've heard this as well, that we missed out on a number of free potential free, free signings at the start of the season mm-hmm. that Rafa had already pretty much lined up because of the wages couldn't be agreed. Yeah, it's... it's like, you know, Gary, it's... It, with, with, with football... You know, the, the, I think I remember Chris Parry talked about uh, of the USA uh, guy from Dallas could call up, and he he doesn't understand why if a if a player wants to go to another club, that other club can just take over the fee and the wages in one failed swoop uh, instead of people going you know losing a lot of money on players. You know, you look at baseball, you look at American football, they just kind of cancel the contract or they yeah. you know so. Uh, the, this is where football fair play um, is falling down because if you're allowed to spend this amount of money and it's affecting everybody else, you've got absolutely rubbish players out there who are going to go for five or six million or when they should be five hundred thousand. You know, the, this yeah. is the trouble and it's going to trickle down to Sunderland, it's going to trickle down to the lower leagues where players will be getting paid far more money than what they should be being paid. It, it's it's a nonsense, complete nonsense, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, the difficulty you've got, it's all right. I mean, somebody somewhere who's invented this or brought or put together this financial fair play thing must like must have looked at it somewhere along the line and thought, oh, there's a, there's a bit of a pitfall there. There's a bit of a because what you've got now is you've got like the the Qataris and whoever just saying, right, well, what we'll do is we'll sponsor this and give ourselves 125 million quid and then you know like Man City did with the sponsorship deal and now you've like you say you've got PSG loaning the money to uh, you know to Neymar to come buy himself out of contract and now they're talking about that Mbappe and they're talking about mm. doing it as a loan deal because that's the only way they can get around these guys have got so much money they can get around the financial fair play now the financial fair play was brought in supposedly one, uh, obviously, they make it a level playing ground, but also hopefully to try and stop clubs from paying over what they could afford and, and going out of business. But it's really not. It's just it's ended up being a tool, really, for for the rich clubs to to run things carte blanche over everybody else, which is which is where we're at. What happened, yeah. Gary? It was there was originally in the original version of FFP there were rules about things like sponsorship, so they couldn't mm. do that. And yeah. then they got eased and they all got relaxed all around about the same time that Qatar were being awarded the World Cup. Yeah. Coincidence? Yeah, hmm. just a little. <laughs> is, that, is that a coincidence? I don't know. Um, and, and there's too many things like that where the easing of the FFP suddenly put teams at a disadvantage. When we were last in the Premiership for the following season, if FFP had stayed as it was, Newcastle were in a m- fabulous position mm. under FFP. And yeah. then all of a sudden it got eased, the rules changed, and all of a sudden we weren't in such a fabulous position. And so yeah. um, there's pressures going on behind the scenes and at higher levels of the game. FIFA and UEFA need to have a real look at themselves because what they've done under the, under the avarice is they're handing more and more 
power to the clubs. And if I can see one day eventually, clubs will turn around to the, the international organisations and say, Do you know what? We've got the money, we've got the power. Sod your international weekend. I'm not yeah. letting my players go. What are you going to do about it? Yeah. And and when that happens, that's you know all these talks. We've heard talk of things like European Super Leagues for years. Yeah. I'm damn certain one day that will happen because the clubs will just get sick. They'll look at yeah. UEFA and say, well, it, "You lot, you lot is, are ta- taking trousers and so much money. Yeah. Sod you lot are going to do what we want." But the, tr- the trouble is, this, this European Super League that they keep mentioning, it's used as it's used as a, as a bargaining tool or a threat by all the big clubs. So, like, if if like, say, I'm not saying Man United, just Man United, but for example, Man United, Real Madrid, Barcelona, whatever, if they get collared by this financial fair play, or they get collared by something else, and you know, and you're only allowed to have so many foreign players, and you've got to bring through so many youth players, and this that the other, they'll literally just say, right, we're taking our ball away, we're taking our ball home, we'll form our own European Super League, you won't get all the uh, money you get through TV rights because we'll sell it ourselves. Uh, and and that's where you'll get it. So they've got this hold over, to a certain extent, over UEFA and FIFA uh, and the FA, you know, in, in the Premier League clubs. In, in, in my opinion, the Premier League clubs in this country, the big the big boys really have a hold over the FA where, you know, they, the clubs low down, like when you get to the third, second division and what have you, they don't really get the licking of a dog. And and, no. and and that'll remain the way it is from now on because the Premier League is and the the guys at the top of the Premier League have got so much power and they've got generating so much money for the game that they can basically just say, Well, if you don't like it, we'll contact Barcelona, we'll contact Rangers, we'll contact Page we'll just have, we'll contact a couple of Italians and we'll have a European Super League and we've set up else and that's why you, that's why you, you initially. I mean, of course, it's a lot more complicated than that. But they have got this threat that sort of hangs every time there's something in the works that these big Premier League clubs don't like. Is all, all of a sudden the talk comes up again about, you know, they could break away and form this European mm. Super League. And they quickly they don't get their own win. Yeah, they quickly yeah. bat that one down. I'm just going to bring in um, Steve Hasty from Newcastle United Fans Forum. Good evening, Steve. How are you? I'm fine, guys. How are you? Not too bad. He'll be listening to the show. So, uh, we're talk, talking about. about <laughs> <laughs> we've been when it comes to the, we're talking about football fair play at the moment. Um, it's it's always going to be a big issue, and as Gary and Neil have quite quite clearly said, it's 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 the it's the big the big guys at the top who are, you know, like 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 we always said about Newcastle, we should be in a much stronger position with with it, and it just seems to be being anybody. All the big boys seem to be a bit of just pick and choose wherever they want. Yeah, we always have done at the end of the day. If you if you look back, it's interesting though. We talk about the transfer fees. I was at a I was at a fans Premier League meeting a couple of seasons ago, and there was a representative turns up from the Premier League and he gives a talk and we speak to referees and this type of thing. And there's it was it's around the, around the Premier League, so there's a supporters representative and the fans liaison officer from each club there. And uh, one of the topics we're talking about two years ago was this deal that we're now into, this TV deal. And uh, we were talking about how, you know, the, the ridiculous amount of money that was flowing into the game, the deal was going to be, they hadn't even got the, the foreign deal sorted out. And there was still something like five, five billion pounds to be spread around. And uh, the guy from the Premier League said, you know, 
it's nothing really to worry about because what will happen is, and I'm, 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 I'm not quoting them verbatim here, I'm paraphrasing, he said, but what will happen here is that you'll find that, um, say, Manchester City or Manchester United will want a particular player and uh, they, uh, they'll have the money because they have, they'll have the money to spend. So you'll get the likes of a, and he, I think at the time he did actually say the likes of a West Brom, for example, or, or a Leicester, because it was before Leicester had won the league. He said, you'll get a, you'll get a club like West Brom or Leicester, um, no disrespect to them. He says, but you know, they'll be able to demand 30 million for one of their players. He says, and the big clubs will play it. He says, and that means that, that, that the, the big TV money and the extra that those clubs at the top are getting will filter its way back down through the the very small pyramid of the Premier Leagues. Now you hear today that West Brom are, are asking for 37 million for <laughs> Johnny Evans. <Yeah. laughs> and you go, what? This is a bloke that Sunderland had on loan what, yeah. three seasons ago. Um, I know what Danny happened to that, Gary? Him. He, was, he, that? he was absolutely fantastic. He was unbel- He was a 19-year-old, I think he was a 19-year-old kid at the time. I, th- I thought you were going to say he was a £19 million pound player there. <laughs> no, he, he was absolutely... Uh, and I remember speaking to Niall Quinn about him at the time. And Niall Quinn was like, if he keeps going the way he's going, there's no way, like, there was no way Sunderland were ever going to be able to afford Johnny Evans. And I think he wasn't fancied by Van Hall. Maybe his career stalled a little bit since then. But at the time, he was 19-year-old, and he, he was sort of bossing the defence at 19-year-old, and he looked he looked like the genuine article. I mean, I'm not saying that he's gone on. But I, I tell you what, if you can pay 50-odd million for Kyle Walker, mm-hmm. then I tell you what, then, then 30-odd million doesn't seem as stupid for Johnny Because Johnny Evans, is, in my opinion, Johnny Evans is 10 times the player that Kyle Walker is. But you see what I'm getting at with the, the fact that thirty odd million pound, thirty seven million pound for a player that probably two seasons ago you would have said, what, six million, seven million pound player? Mm-hmm. All of yeah. a sudden it's thirty seven million pound yeah. player. But In the same way that Kyle Walker was a five million pound yeah. player and he becomes mm-hmm. a fifty million pound player. And I know there's a certain equation that they put on there with whereby how long they've got left on that contract yeah. and you know, Sanchez is apparently only worth forty million because of the length he's only got a year left on his contract and this type of thing, you know, and all the, oh, these crazy computations that come out with. But as as Neil said before, football the way football's going, the way that the transfer market's going, um the T V the money that's being pumped in, uh the financial fair play has gone out of the window. It doesn't exist anymore. It, it was there. It's penalising, if you think about it, it's penalised QPR, apparently, because of where they ended up. It's, it's penalising mm. Crystal Palace at the moment. And yet the, these are the clubs that are languishing at the bottom of leagues or who are being relegated. It, it never seems to penalise Man City. And I think Man City have even managed to escape some of the penalties for, and Liverpool as well, some of the penalties for Stealing players, you know, encroaching yeah. and taking youngsters, mm-hmm. all of that's gone out the window now. Now, now the, the clubs are saying, "Ah, oh, well, I tell you, there's five million quid. Just go away." You know, it happened with Sterling. <laughs> they, they swiped Sterling, yeah. didn't they? Liverpool. Yeah. You know. Um, next thing you know, he's he's a make weight at fifty odd million pounds. I can't. I couldn't. San, Sanchez. Ga- you know. Obviously, I get the Gary, Gary first, and then Neil. But I couldn't believe that story. Could you, Gary? Like he's a make weight. Yeah. Ryan, Ryan Sterling, fifty billion make weight, and they're giving yeah, and they're giving and they're giving them cash as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's, it's absolutely unbelievable, isn't it? But again, just just to get back to the, the, the comment that's just been made, like I'm looking, I've been watching like Sky. I was in mm-hmm. the scene that Liverpool is turning down twenty odd million for Sacco. He couldn't get a game, and like, no, 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 we want more than twenty million. Really? It's just it's crazy. But the, the, also another forum. Yeah, the other thing is. We're saying like about the financial fair play and, and and people are being spot on with that. But the other thing is as well, many many well, I've seen many, but quite a few years ago now when um, we were talking about creating Premier League academies, they came up with this thing where it was like if you were an elite academy, which funnily enough, Sunderland were at the time and Newcastle weren't, but I think are now. Um, you could go and have your your choice of any place from around the so you could go like if there's a, if there was a kid at some other academy who who wasn't sort of they weren't elite you could basically go and say hey do you want to come here because we're elite now, how does that seem fair like these guys have got like say I don't know say Hartley Pool or even Middlesbrough I don't know if they were elite at the time but you, you get me I mean if like say somebody sort of Sheffield or whatever. You could go down from Sunderland and say, we're elite, and we'll like a look at this kid that you, you've had mm-hmm. from the age of nine, so we'd quite like to say, do you want to come up here? And then they wonder why, you know, the elite clubs and all that seem to keep get, like, getting away with sort of poaching players. And it's, it's happened since the time in memoriam, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, I once knew a Sunderland lad who you weren't allowed off money at the time. He's 14-year-old. And Blackburn Rovers at the time offered to buy him, a, buy him his mum and dad a house halfway between Sunderland and Blackburn. The, the kid didn't even even make it, you know, and it never happened. But it's just it's just crazy. It's just getting worse and worse. All, and the money's just absolutely unbelievable. Niels? Well, I think there's there's plenty of examples of that where you hear of uh, people being tempted away, and they'll always find ways around the rules. That's what big clubs with big money and big lawyers always find yeah. ways around things, don't they, at the end of the day? Well, say, who, it, who, it, who, it found out, who found out Neymar had a £220 million release <laughs> clause? Exactly. Like, you know what I mean? If somebody started, like, you know, all of a sudden it's in all the papers, it's on the yeah. telly and all that. I didn't believe I it, actually. Boss, I don't suppose Barcelona's going around whispering yeah. to people, by the way, this lad's got... So it's got to be, like, somebody close to the player or an agent or it's going to be somebody who, dad. who knows like <laughs> yeah dad. Dad. but the you, know what I mean? you know like all of a sudden Tractor, like, sorry. how do these how do these clubs find out that oh um i'll offer you 40 million quid for him how did you know that was his release clause it's, it's just yeah. well, i believe i believe messi's is 295 million. Oh, very nice oh well so if i'm it, expe- if, you're expecting man city to come in yeah, well, we're obviously, definitely looking Ronaldo, at Man City. Ronaldo's, Ronaldo's is eight hundred and fifty million euros, isn't it? Can't be, surely. It is. It is. It was because yeah. it was. It worked it out. The release clause plus whatever. It said it would cost. It would cost you a billion euros. That's what the total with a with a salary tagged on and, and the release clause that you'd have to pay from. And yeah, Paul Gascoigne is a perfect example. Paul Gascoigne cost Tottenham two uh, two point five. I think it was million pound mm. when when we sold them back in the day. And if, if you listen to Gaza and he's talking, and he, he tells mm-hmm. you the story that when he when he sat with uh, Terry Venables, he said uh, Give me a house, he did the yeah. deal, and he said, "Oh, by the way, I want a car for me dad." Yeah. And then he went, "Is there anything else you want?" And he goes, "Yeah, I need a house for me mum." And then he goes, "Well, we'll give you a house. We'll get you sort your house. We'll sort your car." And he goes, "Anything else?" And he goes, "Yeah, me sister wants a sunbed." <laughs> 
So, you know, the cough, the house, the sunbed, and he says, it, 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 just the look on Teddy Venable's face, and it was just Gaza just coming out with all these things, you know, mm-hmm. I, I want to, it was, it's a bit like that sort of, you know, the rock star when they turn up at a, at a gig and they have the, they have the list of things, you know, with the M&Ms without the blue ones and the stuff like that, you know, just, just, just crazy, man. Crazy. So how many, obviously before I let you go, Gary, how many, how many players do you think uh, Sunderland need to get in, especially if the, if the money doesn't come in until next season for the financial fair play, yeah. do, you, do you think automatically at the moment that, you know, Grayson is thinking, we're not going to go up, but let's have a mid-season, you know, look I think, tilt at yeah. the playoffs. Uh, yeah, I think I think everybody's got to be realistic. I think the be- at the moment, the way things stand, the best Sunderland would hope for, and it, it's a big hope as well, given how they're playing at the minute, would be the playoffs. I think otherwise they're just looking at a season of consolidation. I think they need probably at least three in, but then again, that could change, like I say, if, if three or four go out tomorrow, then it, it obviously that goes up. They definitely need at least three in. But it, it, it's just a case, like I say, they've got this, they're in this bad position where they're going to have to wait and see if anybody comes in for their players and then see if they can replace those players. Mm-hmm. And um, like Neil was saying, it's like they've got Sunderland are over a barrel because they'll come in, know that Sunderland need these lads off the wage bill to, to get people in. So they'll offer less than what Sunderland probably want and Sunderland will probably have to cave in and say yes. And then Sunderland's got less to go and get somebody else in, but the other clubs will be saying, well, hang on a minute, you've got so many million for him, you've got so many million for him, I want this amount for, for my player, so yep. it's really going to be a difficult window for Sunderland and, mm-hmm. and Grayson, and, and, and I really, I think, and sadly, you won't know until sort of maybe half past 11 on deadline day on the night whether or not Sunderland have actually got anywhere near what they need, and I think it's a massive ask for them to get anywhere near that. Yeah, I agree, I agree. Uh, what, what was your thoughts, uh, Steve, on the result on Saturday? Because, obviously, Newcastle, uh, you know, it was nice to get a win. I think the whole, uh, the week that preceded it wasn't very good for anybody with the the rumours and uh, going on with Rafa. And then you had, uh, I believe, Keith Bishop was actually in on one of... Um, uh, Rafa's interviews, uh, talking to the media, so uh, it's it was a nice way for Newcastle to end the week, but obviously completely sullied by um, when uh, by Mitrovic's uh, craziness again. I don't think it was sullied by it because at the time we didn't realise there was any issue with it. Yeah. It wasn't until match of the day reared its head and Gary uh, yeah. decided to show the incident in slow motion that 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 we knew anything about it. Perfectly honest, the referee. Uh, with that incident, he saw the incident, he played on, He uh, the game was eventually stopped because he said it was a head injury, or he thought, he wasn't too sure mm-hmm. at the time, but the game, I, I can't remember whether the ball went out to play, or he blew for a, he blew for something, he pointed and gestured that he was going to have a, a, a drop ball when the game restarted, he went over, and then all of a sudden, he gave, the, the player eventually got up after getting treatment, and uh, he gave a free kick to them. And everybody in the crowd was going, what's going on? You, you let, you're allowed the player to carry on. Mm-hmm. And then there's obviously so somebody had said something in his ear um, because the, you know, it went on for about 30 or 40 seconds after the incident uh, when, when the player was on, on the deck. And it just looked from where, where everybody was, it looked just like shoulder to shoulder. And what happened was a little flick out at the, at the very end. It wasn't sort of like 
uh, Anoutovic the the week before, where we saw where he went yeah. in leading with the arm and mm. and you know and and did it deliberately because he'd previously been fouled five minutes earlier, you know. Um, so nobody knew. So in terms of it of, of that part of the, you know, it it was never on our on our um, radar at all. Performance-wise, I thought Newcastle played very very well. I thought we we came out startlingly well. We we came out with a mission. We we looked organised. We had a target man who could hold the ball up, and was feeding people were feeding off him. The midfield was very very mobile. They played on the front foot. Marino Marino in the in the midfield uh, was a, was a joy to watch. And the longer the game went on, the better he became. Hayden was playing very well. The back four seemed organised. Um, we were getting down the line with Atsu. So everything looked good. If, if I had one criticism in the first half. Um, it would probably have been the kicking of Elliot uh, and his distribution, which mm-hmm. w- was was poor. Um, West West Ham for me, I turned around to a friend of mine, a, a, a lad sitting in front of us, he will see every week, and he sits there with his stone iron jacket on. I tapped him on the shoulder, and I goes, "You know what?" I goes, "The, the lads from the West Ham Intercity firm must be sitting in their old people's home watching this on their box, thinking." God, is this how soft West Ham have become? Because that was the softest West Ham team I think I've seen in terms of every time anyone went near them, they were they were over like like sticks that are being thrown over a, a pond. You know, they were, it was unbelievable. I've never seen a West Ham team like that before. I usually see a bit of grit and you see a bit of determination, and you see, you know, they're, they're, they're usually they always West Ham have always like to try and play football. There was none of that. There was no. There was. It was literally look at me and I'll go over. Touch me and I'll be down. I mean, first half I think we had six minutes of of injury time. Uh, second half we had four minutes of injury time. Granted that one of those was for Hayden who had gone down with a uh, a knock on his ankle, but it it just seemed to be the only way that they could handle Newcastle was to try and stop the game try and knock us off our stride and that that injury that they had in the first half where the player was down for ages it did knock us off our stride a little bit you know it allowed them to come back in the game towards the end of the first half and then start the second half I thought oh we're in we're in for a in for a, a, a real good game here where you know in terms of you know this is this is going to be tight we're going to be panicking we're going to be you know we'll be able to hear the screams of the last over on the far side and the east stand every time they go near the ball you know but it didn't it, it they fizzled themselves out, and I thought we got stronger. I thought we played, like I said earlier, on the front foot. And when you play on the front foot like that, and when you've got a midfielder who, once he's winning the tackle, is then taking the ball forward five or ten yards and pushing the pushing the opposition's back, and and allowing that time for the wingers and the strikers to make the space and make the runs, and then playing a decisive pass, and it made all the difference. It's something that we hadn't seen in the first two games um, certainly not in the second game we, we may see trying to see a little bit of that um, but we went completely off the boil after Shelby uh, was sent off um, and, but we didn't see that type of style of football last season either there was a purpose about us there was an organisation and there was talent on the pitch and I think that made the difference uh, to what we'd seen previously and I think that surprised West Ham but that that appeared to me as a very very poor West Ham, a disjointed West Ham, a disorganised West Ham, and a team lacking any heart, and a team lacking any leadership, and an England goalkeeper who, quite frankly, <laughs> did couldn't have done more for 
push Jack Butlin's chances of being England's <laughs> number one. Because he, he was being linked, he was being linked with Newcastle, wasn't he? I remember Gary at one stage. He was like, I couldn't understand. I can never understand what the the fascination is with Joe Hart and playing for a top team because to me he just seems to have lost it. He seems to have, he's a bit lost at the moment, and no better place to get lost in London and go to West Ham, isn't it, Gary? No, no I, I mean, I've always. Um you know, like the guys just said about you know West Ham not used to have this thing where they thought they'd invented football and and, and won the World Cup by themselves <laughs> in 1966. You know, and oh, I always say to them, I don't think Alan Ball played for West Ham, but that's a, a but um, no, Hart's just gone right back, hasn't he? And I, I, I don't know whether it's a confidence thing. I don't know whether it's just that like he's been found out a little bit, mm. or maybe it's a combination of both. But yeah, I mean. I think he's, he's really dropped down. For me, he's dropped down the pecking order, and, and, and he's, you know, it's a lot of money to pay for for a guy who's trying to find his feet again from from what it appears to be. I think that, I think when it comes to Billich, he's gone, like, hasn't he? I'm not saying he's gone, but he's definitely gone. To me, you watch, you know, you watch him. He's, he used to be very. He's always been a bit hyper, but uh-huh. every time now he comes after the, he talks about the team. You know, you. As a manager, you've got you've got a short life, and um, you know you can tell the pressure of you know the the new stadium and everything everything to do with West Ham. It's just you know he, I think he was he was a manager of obviously Croatia. And he's probably in his element because he's he's got he had good players in the team. He had he had like players that can pass, move, go. You know, but he's the one buying the players. You know, you can't. Yeah. He's, I, I think the thing is, excuse yeah, me. I think, think the thing is with Billy, he's probably been afforded more time because he's seen as one of their own, you know, because he played for them and did such a service for them as a player. I know he was only one that number, but I think like if he'd been like if he'd been a new manager brought in with no sort of affiliation or, or anything like that to West Ham, I don't think it lasted as long as, as Billy Charles done. Yeah, thanks, Steve. I know you. I know you've got to you've got to pop off. Uh, um, but thanks for coming on the show as ever. Yeah, no problem, no problem, Andrew. Yeah, thanks, please. guys. All right, take mate. Care. Take care. Cheers. Now, um, so um, I think when it's, you know, actually I was hoping that when it comes to this season, Neil went and, uh, and Gary Neil first, but I was hoping that um, Newcastle would stay in the cup long enough to this time to face or to face Sunderland uh, in the cup. But as I've seen the other week, we we went again quite meekly. And Sunderland and Sunderland roll on. We'll get to you in a minute, uh, Gary. <laughs> well, I mean, to, to be honest, League Cup. We used to go in out early in the League Cup, weren't we? So why break a habit of a bloody lifetime? Um, it was just disappointing to see with surrender. Though to be mm-hmm. fair, I think the team was a little bit of a message in itself. Um, mm-hmm. Has the message got through? Who knows? We will find out in the next three days, I suppose. <laughs> were you were you surprised, Gary, that Sunderland seemed to they got through? Um, well, they made hard work of it. Um, but yeah, it, it was nice to see them get through. But just going back to Neil's point there about mm-hmm. Newcastle, I think um, Benitez used it as a tool, shall we put it, to put put so many in the shop window, and it seems to seems to be that one or two of them seem to be moving moving on since then. Um, and I think he also did it to highlight like this is what we've got. Um, underneath the first sort of 15, 16, this is this is what we're looking at to say like I need the money and I need I need to be back really, 
Um, we'll wait late, Neil says. We'll, we'll have to wait until the end of the transfer window to see if, if that message has been taken on board by the powers that be. But it, it's disappointing for, for Newcastle. I think both Newcastle and Sunderland fans would daily love, and maybe not, I know the League Cup people sometimes poo-poo it, but I think Newcastle and Sunderland fans that would daily love a cup run in whatever competition. I think it'd be, you know, the Sunderland fans and Newcastle fans always seem to make the most of an occasion like a, fi- a cup final, and it's disappointing that those have been few and far between for both clubs over over the years. Yeah, I, th- I think the the one I must say though, because because of what's been happening in the club and the two defeats and a lot of things going on behind the scenes and especially with the media, I was listening to it. And I felt nothing. Yeah. And it's very. This, this is the problem. You see, I've had this for a. a you know, you sometimes you, I get it once in a while, but you know, I'm sitting there, and I'm. I, I remember it wasn't. Even, it wasn't even Game of Thrones now, for God's sake. And I'm. <laughs> and I'm. And I'm watching it, and I'm. I'm listening to it, and you're seeing the the goals. We took an early lead, and I'm thinking to myself, when when when's this when is this when is this going to stop for Newcastle fans that. Very rarely do we get a, a player, a manager to come in that we can actually have somebody we like. It's very, very rare that you know. You obviously Sir Bobby and uh, Bobby Robson and and Kevin and um, you know, I, I'm sure there's more. But um, when it comes to them, them two in particular, you know, it's for for the, us to be able to, to get somebody that we actually admire and we listen to, and then. For him to be kind of being misled, because we actually well we we know because he said it hasn't he, the long term um, project for him, Rafa Benitez in Newcastle, it's not going to happen. It's a short term thing. So that's when uh, you got Pete Graves coming out and saying uh, you know he could be linked to West Ham, yeah. which is fair enough. It's probably it is probably fair comment, but. Um, you know, a lot of things can change in football, but the only thing I can see happening for him to stay is if somebody at the woodwork comes out and wants to buy Newcastle and, you know, they want to keep Newcastle fans on site and they like Rafa because any, any you know, takeover, they're going to want somebody like Rafa Benitez and the situation yeah. changes. But you'd have to worry from now till, well, Christmas um, that he might... Decide it. It would. It would. If the, if this five million pound uh, break clause, which has been, Pete Graves said it, didn't he? So, if that comes in, he's got a decision to make. Even though I, I don't think you'd want to go there, but um, you know, I think they're trying. They'd be lining somebody else up. But it, it's a very. It's a sad state of affairs, really, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, I think the trouble you've got is it. Benitez feels that he's been sold short a little bit by what he's being told and, and then what he's being given. Um, you know, if I'm, a, I'm not wanting to do a Pete Graves or whatever and, and start putting words into people's mouth, mm. but if, if there is a club that's got a few few quid to spend and they're struggling down near the bottom, then you know why wouldn't he risk five million quid on on, on Benitez to try and keep them up? You know what I mean? Like he, mm. he's the sort of manager. That most clubs would would kill for, you know what I mean. So mm. he's he's been there, he's done it, he's won stuff, he knows his stuff. He proved that last season by you know everybody said oh he's never managed in the championship. Well we all saw what happened there, you know. So and and you know all right they've had a couple of 
bad weeks, but he turned it around on Saturday despite not being given what he really wants. So you couldn't say that, you know, there wouldn't be many clubs, I don't think, out there that wouldn't sort of snap your hand off if they got the chance to, to get Benitez in as their manager. So, you know, it, it, Ashley's got to really back him, really, I personally think, but whether he does or not, I mean, since when has he done what he, he, he should do? So... Mm. Well, thanks for coming on, guys. It's been a pleasure no to have problem. you on. We'll have you, we'll have you again. Yes, we'll have you on very, very soon uh, to I talk all is. things Sunday and everything else. But thanks. It's been an absolute pleasure. Thanks very much. Right, Take care, thanks very much. Cheers. Thanks, Gary. Bye-bye now. Bye. Right, well, bringing our next guest, uh, that is Lee Johnson, a Newcastle United fan. Good evening. Lee, how are you? I'm good. Who was that? That was Gary Foster. Oh, right, okay. Very good. Son and fan, and obviously great uh, to talk about Newcastle as well. So, I thought it was, I thought uh, it was a son and fan giving it twice. <laughs> yeah, but like, uh, tell me, so obviously you saw the game on Saturday. Uh, great performance, um, slow burner, but, uh, you know, with what was in front of us, it was a, it was quite a good game to start mm. the, the season off with three points. We were, we were off. Um, really good, really good in fact, but... You know, it's, uh, I've got I've got a lot of belief in these footballers we're currently having the squad. I think I've said before I don't think any of them are shrinking violets. Um, every single one of them were exceptionally hard on um, mm. on Saturday. We were organised, but I, I would say we've been organised in the first two games. Maybe we well, yes we struggled um, offensively, but defensively we've been quite solid. Tottenham weren't scoring against us first game of the season without that setting off. I'm telling you now, and Huddersfield had one chance when we were down at uh, when I was down there. Um, Kieran Clark coming on a ton and things like that. And like I said, defensively, I think we've been all right. And but Saturday, effectively, um, Richie kind of set the tone, and all the other players followed. Uh, Jocelyn was a great player for everybody else. He worked hard, strong. He had a purpose about him, and that Moreno um, stood out like a sore thumb. Um, I mean, I've seen a little highlight reel of him, and uh, that was basically football and sex in 90 minutes. I was watching him play. I'm telling you now, he was. He was superb. Um, of course, you're not going to get carried away by one performance by Moreno because obviously Sobo's debut against Chelsea. But um, I've, I, I pay a lot of interest now in, on NUFC TV and I like I, I watch interviews with the players. Um, particularly watch Jocelyn with uh, Moreno's interviews and they come and um, you know what it is? They come across really well. Really well. Good attitude. Um, I think that's the kind of footballers we've got in the club at this moment in time. Like I said, no shrinking violets. Um, and I think that's what you'll get from us this season. I think we will be well organised. I think when we play teams who aren't in the recognised top seven, and I'm a kind of Neverton in that, um, when they come to Shane James's Park, if we can create that kind of um, atmosphere and have that kind of mentality on the pitch, you know, teams like Southampton and all that, they'll struggle at St James's Park. We're, we're a decent side. I think, I think everyone's quick to write off certain players, using our captain as an example, you know, the cells not this, the cells not that. Cells 22-year-old. 22-year-old. Mm. Rafa Benitez is trying to develop him. He had another solid game on Saturday. Um, you know, we've got a squad of players who actually do care, I think. I think there's, there's a few that needs to go out still, though. I think... Um, well, of course, of course. Do you, think, do you think 20 million for Gale is... Uh, the thing is, I can't... If you sell... If, if they look to sell Gale for, like, under 20 million, because I think... I was going to say twenty millions, a bit out, a bit out there, but but, I, but the thing was, it was linked to Leeds United. I'm thinking, well, Leeds are selling all their players, so how how, how can they buy how could they buy Gale? Doesn't make any sense. Middlesbrough paid fifteen million for that to stand there longer, and I yeah. said straight away that makes like Gale a thirty million pound footballer based on that price. 
Mm. That was obviously a couple of weeks ago. There's some experience would you sell him? with like you know, ever since he picked up that hamstring injury, they're talking about his. It's not necessarily happening, but it's his mentality, and he's scared that it's going to go all the time. I mean, that's no good, really. <laughs> Neil, do you agree with that bit? Do you think? Do you think it's? Do you think he's worried about um, the hamstring going, Neil? Well, I mentioned it before, mate. It, 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 we're three games into the season, and, and we're talking about his hamstrings. Mm-hmm. He's missed time in preseason because of his hamstrings, mm-hmm. um, and, it, and it's something that's dogged him all. all through his career. If you, if Didn't really know about it, Neil, though, up until Christmas. No one had a clue yeah. about it. He played yeah. all the way up until Christmas. There was no mention of it. Mm. No issue. Mm. True. True. There's also, I've read one suggestion that it's something he's, he's got in his head as well. Yeah. That he's, uh-huh. he's struggling Mentally, yeah, to get yeah, over, that. over that as well. So that he may actually be 100% fit. But frightened to push it, frightened that the next time he puts his foot on the gas, it's going to go again. It's going to go um, up again. I think there's too many, um, too many question marks. We need a bit of certainty and solidity in my team. Absolutely. I've got no, no. I would have no qualms about keeping him as an impact off the bench. He can score goals in the Premier League. He's proved that. When we bought him, you've got to remember he was he'd actually been Crystal Palace's top scorer. Yep. without playing many games. Mm-hmm. The lad can do it. Um, and it's, it, the fact he wasn't involved in the squad at all at the weekend, that's a worrying sign. Mm-hmm. Three games in. I wrote what, they're already looking after his hamstrings, knowing there's an international break coming up, and we've got two weeks. Um, so, as an asset, if somebody's prepared to pay a sizable chunk of change for him, I wouldn't be averse to as long as as long as, it, as long as it's not turned into friggin' sports direct shit. <laughs> I know you, that's the trouble, isn't it? Like, has Lucas Perez signed for Deportivo yet? No. Interesting no, that one, isn't it? He hasn't. He hasn't. So he what? Hasn't. I don't understand what's going on there because obviously it's this turmoil going on at, at Arsenal for various different reasons, but. Well, I don't know what's going on, Andrew. He's told him, and he kind of cash in his sports direct shares. <laughs> but that's the thing. I, I don't under. He had, the, he had enough money to buy a bit of Debenhams. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Funny, isn't it? Yeah, 20, 21%. So you can only imagine how much that was. But, like, um, th- this is the thing. It's like if, he, if he's. If there's, a, if there's a definite inclination to, to look to sell players. And there's there's, in, there's interest in Gale. He must have somebody lined up. So, you know, you He's had people I'm, lined up from the summer. Yeah, and that's, that's the, the worst thing, isn't it? Yeah, because I mean, you know, they, if they get they need to get rid of the that, this. Is the problem is that if they can't, like, no way that Jack Colbeck will leave Newcastle. Now, if he's on a good salary, the only club that's been linked with him has been Aston Villa. Uh, I've heard of nobody else. Um, I, have a fe- I have a feeling you'll probably find that some of these lads might go on loan with an agreement for their wages to be paid. I mm. think that's what might happen. I think. Not good though, is it? Well, I think no. um, I think Hanley is def is, is actually is it is he is going for a fee. Um, I heard that one via one of the scribes tonight. So I don't know how much it is. Uh, I don't know how much they signed him for. I thought it was. I think it was I think four four million they signed him for, didn't they? I I mean to be again, but he did his job. He did exactly. Did his job exactly. He did, he did he did his job. They had all the lads last season. They did the job. 
call it in office just trying to add that little bit quality to make us a little bit more comfortable within this league, which is, you know, the right way to do it. But unfortunately, when you have a Burke who's who's in charge, you know, you're fighting against, you're seemingly fighting a losing battle. I mean, just touching on Saturday, you know, Gallagher, Gallagher flags, lads, uh, when they said they were just going to put one flag up today, mm, yeah. and that was brilliant. You know, it was, you know, it was, it was, it was a symbol. It was a symbol of, it was a symbol of what I think most folk believe in. Just Benitez, just there, massive, ash, a shadow over the pitch, a big, big flag of him, and I love that. I was like, that's great. That. And I just think it got people going. I think it got people at it. Um, well, but the fact that he's already said that. He's, he's no longer part of the long-term future of no, Newcastle. It's, oh, no. it's that you've got to you've got to worry. This is going to be the last season. So, well, um, I mean, Andrew, I do think you'll see out this season. I, really oh, do, I and agree. I think, yeah. and, I, and I think you'll showcase his talent, and I think you'll keep these lot up. He might even do a little bit more. He mm. might even do a little bit more. But the fact that Mike Ashley's willing to gamble is just well, it's just frightening. I don't even know what to say. It'll be fair. And I'm not, I'm not lying when I say this. If I seen him in the street, I'd boot him right in the head. There's no doubt about it. I would not. I'd do time. I'm sick of him. I'm bored of him. I'm just like, everything he does is just a... Uh, he just doesn't want to be but here. I must admit, though, I've, I think a lot of the lads, like, I haven't spoke to Mike... Um, I forgot his name now. Michael Martin. But a lot, a lot of the, a lot of the uh, news in the press... Uh, like especially with before the the week before the game was definitely an, an amping up of media attention uh, in regards to putting Newcastle down uh, as they do, as they seem to do sim- symptomatically I think but um, you know the, this is the worst thing the, after after the the interview uh, he seemed to be on the back foot with regards to, you know to the to, you know with Newcastle and everything but now they're strategically putting uh, the their side of it seems to be now saying, "Well, okay, um, we're going to try and we're going to try and change this philosophy, philosophy that Mike Ashley um, is not the bad guy." And I think it was working. It was well, definitely working last week. I, I found it's hundred percent based on social media. It was working. Yeah. It's been yeah. a, it's been a, a it's been a very clever clever little PR campaign to put Rafa Benitez down at every single opportunity. Mm-hmm. Rafa's unrealistic. Rafa's on uh, expectations unrealistic. He needs to stop mourning. He needs to stop this. And mm-hmm. I'm saying like Newcastle fans kind of agree, and especially after when we lost the cup tie, uh, because the team selection absolute disgrace. He has to be questioned. He has to do. Mm-hmm. He has to do this. Now, to be honest with you, I thought that team selection was just a message. I really did. I said at the time, I looked at it and I went, that's a message that bad. He, was play- he played with six or seven players who'd been, cha- who'd been playing with the juniors, mm-hmm. um, who'd been not, not been good enough to be part of the squad. So, again, I think he was putting it out there. But let's be honest, Andrew, Rafa Benitez, although, yes, he is mourning, he is whinging, he's doing it for a purpose to try and make this team bloody better. So if people can't see that, they literally need their heads reading. And I don't know if they've, they've clearly, clearly, of course, everyone's entitled to their opinion. And I say that all the time. Anytime I tweet something and it's controversial, you're entitled to an opinion. If you don't agree with us, fair enough. But if you think Mike Ashley is actually good for Newcastle United, you need your head absolutely red. I mean, how am I? The guy's been an absolute car crash for 10 years. I mean, I see it pretty regular on this show, Andrew, but mm. joking here, not once, but twice. Mm. That's all you need to look at. Yeah, it's. I think, um, like Neil, when it comes to the fact that you know a, a great, a good performance, like we haven't got to miss it yet, have we? 
But um, when it comes to performance, you know, everybody felt good about Saturday night. I felt that good. I actually got drunk, which never happens normally. <laughs> but um, but when it comes to when it comes to Newcastle, it, it, we we all seem to be one step forward, one step back, and Mitrovic has proved it again by damaging the team, and he will get a three-match ban. But there's been plenty other stamping incidents that's been happening against Newcastle. Nothing's been picked up. And as you said earlier, Richard Key's got his own way, didn't he, by uh, lambasting the challenge. And I've looked, and I think we've all looked at it. It wasn't like a a deliberate elbow in his face that he he went down. I think he, I, I think he's been done based on his aim. I've seen it about five, six times, Andrew, and I'm, and I think he's, I think we'll get Richard Figgins mince, but I reckon he does literally nout. I think he does absolutely nothing. I think he's running towards the ball. He leads mm-hmm. with his arm, and this guy's got his head. That guy's actually got his head down his head down. So he's, he, he was, he was moving towards his shoulder, going towards him. I think he's been. Done totally trial by TV. The first I didn't even realise anything was going on until I got until I started seeing Twitter retweeting that bought that moron with your keys. What do you think, Neil? Because I think um, you know he's out for three games. Remember, he did he did that a season before, didn't he? In the first right. game of the season. So yep. this is the problem. If obviously we've got till Thursday, if we can get somebody else to come in, I, we have we should because he's been linked with. Um, some other countries, I believe. I think not. I'm not sure it's Turkey, but uh, you know, it sounds like he's going to be with us until January, anyway. It's patently clear Rafa doesn't trust him. Yeah. Simple as that. And and he can stand and do his shush celebration mm. and then say afterwards, the people who I'm doing it to, you know mm. who you are. Mm. I've just got to get on and play, play and score goals. Quite right. So you should. You didn't include there. I also must not elbow people in the head and think I can get away with it. <laughs> I mean, I, I did, do, do, do you think, think he did? Do you think he did, Neil? It's something very possible in his character, Lee. Of and course, that's the problem, isn't it? And this is the problem. When you look at that, because, mm. um, I mean, I, I know you're, you're seeing it with seeing Match of the Day roll over it. Being sports were all over it from the minute the match finished. Richard Hayes <laughs> was just about champing at the bit to get his beat in a bit in about West Ham fan, any? Exactly, mate. Yeah. Exactly. Spot on he is. Um and so I've seen it from as many angles as they've got of it. Um mm-hmm. he knew what he was doing. I don't it's mm-hmm. no it's, it's not like he's walked up with his reaction afterwards and, his, and uh, I haven't I haven't even seen it. Was the, his reaction yeah. afterwards knew he knew he was he was because he he got the player up. He was getting the player up. He was trying to get him up, and it, it's clear as day he knew he knew it. And I, I and I hadn't even seen it because like why would you normally if you haven't done anything you like he normally just escalates and goes come on get up but he didn't. He went over to him to try and get him up to see how we. The problem we've got with him is he patently doesn't know when to switch it off or temper it. No. He came into the he came in English football. Pretty much saying I'm going to clatter any centre half that gets in my way. In his first game, he clattered a centre half and got himself sent off. And then he has these moments of indiscipline which undo all the positive things. I mean, the lad, when you look at his goal scoring record at the minute, he's actually, he is on fire. You know, it, it, it's, a, it's a great record. His goals per minute looking great. Um, he's doing great things for his country. Um, and yet he's prone to these 
moments of stupidity, which, whether on this occasion he's 100% guilty or not, sadly, he should also have the brains to know, if there's a problem here, I'm going to be the first one singled out for it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and, and that being, um, to use a much over word, used, used word, a professional. Professional footballer should know what he's able to do, what he's capable of. He's the kind of player you can't take that out of him. If you take that out of him, you don't have the same player. Can you imagine, can you imagine Dennis Wise on mm-hmm. a football pitch without that horrible nastiness about him? <laughs> would he yeah. have been as effective a, mid, a, 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 a player as he would? I don't think he would have been. Take take that out of any take it out of Alan Shearer. Mm-hmm. He could he could handle himself. But equally, with one notable exception, he knew when not to do it in in a, in such a public way that he's going to have half the bloody football and community jumping down his throat every five bloody minutes. Mm-hmm. And I think this, he's got a reputation, and you've got to know. Uh, that reputation goes before me. I'm not going to be judged the same way as everybody else. So do you know what? There's nothing wrong, nothing wrong with being a nasty, sorry, horrible, nasty, snaky sort on the pitch. But maybe I should just not put my elbow it's like in the situation. It's like if he made the tackle versus Harry. If he made the tackle, Harry oh, Kane would have uh, would have got sent off. He would have got sent off. Yeah, well, in uh, two tackles in the Huddersfield game last week. Yeah, where, where Mbemba come away with a cut forehead mm-hmm. <laughs> from the guy stood, by the way, and it wasn't even mm-hmm. given as a free kick. Um, and uh, the stamp on Hayden, which was quite, was just as every every bit as bad as what Shelby did to Deli Alley. Yeah. The lad knew exactly what he was doing with his boot and exactly where he was putting it. Um, but not judged on the same thing and no. the, the same people who bleating shout about that will still tell me we're not a big club well do you know what stop paying attention to it stop mm-hmm. being any different to everybody else and let we get on with it it's it would seem to be played by the fa by a different set of rules rafa having rafa in that's the one thing because of his relationship with the fa i don't think we're going to get a fair crack of the whip off them and so we've got to take all that as it is. However, our players should have the sense and the intelligence enough to know this. Yeah, I think that I think with the, the thing is though the worst thing is it takes away from the performance of Joselu and Marino. Like well, you must be absolutely over the moon, uh, Lee, when you when you saw them. And, play. The, and the performance of Mitrovic, who had a yeah. pretty good game when he came yeah. on. Yeah, he did. Just Lou, just Lou Mourinho. I, I mean, everyone, everyone played well on the day. I mean, it was, it was great. But uh, obviously, you're having a little look at the Lou lads. First term, obviously, I seen Just Lou for the last 20 minutes at Huddersfield. And I thought he did well. I, Mourinho, at Huddersfield, I thought he did okay. Obviously, mm-hmm. had that Burke Sooners talking about him, seeing him calling a bottle. Oh, that's different now. This is Graham Sooners who sold uh, Aaron Hughes and brought in um, Celestine Babiori, who we call the proper player. So uh, you can write anything Graham Sooners knows on the back well, of the top. Especially when he buys a player, Don George Weir, he reckons George Weir called him up, said he, he could play, puts, puts him in the team. The players couldn't believe it. And it just, it just, it just shows you, doesn't it? You've got punters on TV that basically I wouldn't even call them absolutely washed up has been a lot of them yeah. the people that are pointing are absolutely clowns to be fair I mean you know you, Marino the biggest compliment I can give Marino on Saturday there was a guy who of course he just all he said was 
he said was, you know what it is, Lee? He says, uh, did he enjoy watching him? I says, I oh, really good like I says, just everything he did, I said, he's combative, he's tall, he's, he's a big lad, he's well made as well, but he's mobile, he gets around. He pretty much won most balls in the air, everything. The simple balls he, he did well, when the people and players were named. He, he, made, he, he basically, a, a good footballer normally sometimes stands out to you when they haven't got time, but they actually make it look like they've got about 10 minutes of, 10 minutes of time. Mm-hmm. And that's what he was doing. And the kids, uh, the kids' words to me were, you know, he reminded us of today. And I said, who? He says, I think uh, Rafa might have found his Abby Alonso. And I thought, mm. oh, I bloody hope so. Uh, but again, I'm not going to get carried away. a few times, after, didn't he? <laughs> you're not going to get carried. You're not going to get carried away after one game. But Andrew, he looked incredibly, he looked incredibly calm on the ball. Like I said, he looked like he had ten minutes of time when he didn't. Um, that's that's the thing, thing isn't it? The, pl- the players, he's br- the players, like you know, the players he's bringing in for this for this league are always going to be quality. And this is the thing, if he's not going to be given the money, you know, it's fair enough, they, they looked at, I can't, well, they, I, I can't see themselves in Mitrovic if the rumours about Gale are substantiated, fair enough. But if we, if we get the final stages and we haven't got another striker in, he doesn't get the goalkeeper he wants, because I, I keep on hearing Rainer's going to, bar, going to PSG. I keep on hearing that. But... Um, I'm not, Elliot's, I'm not Elliot's biggest fan, to be fair. Yeah, it's going to be tough, especially <clears> when you, you know, you Darlow. And I'm surprised, actually, I'm surprised that Darlow, the fact that he's been so public with the fact that he allow Darlow to leave, you, you could imagine near the window ending uh, that the the. the I, I get, you know, every year is the same thing, Lee and Neil. You think there's going to be a crescendo of stuff happening where you can think, great, oh, we've got players coming in, players going out. And it's going to really affect the team, but then some, the machine behind Newcastle just stops, doesn't it? No, we don't expect anybody to sign. We don't expect anybody to come in. There might be one or two leaving on loan. I think and there'll it, be plenty. Of, I think there'll be plenty of stuff leaked before um, the deadline um, finishes, Andrew, because we'll want Sky round outside, and he'll be offering mm. tea and coffee. He'll be offered tea and coffee to that Keith, whatever you mean. And he's mm. like, oh, let's get back Keith to Newcastle. Are they trying yeah. to push this deal over the line? I mean, there's an example of what Rafa wanted in January. Rafa could have got um, <clears throat> Townsend for 12 million. Apparently, he's got a gander left and now for 27. I couldn't believe when I saw that one. Yeah, I, I thought it was a joke. Mental. What do you think, Neil, about that? That's a, that's an interesting one, isn't it? What, sorry, Andrew? Townsend to uh, Leicester City for 27 oh, million. Yeah, God. I mean, he wasn't talking enough. He wasn't even. I think everybody heard that, you know where Andrew's going. Um, the, uh, we're talking about a player who, you know, was overpriced at 13 million when we were trying to buy him in January. Unreal. 27 million. Here's the reflection of the market. It, it's just, as we've said all night from the off, it's just bonkers. It makes no sense. That lad that's gone from Tottenham to Stoke for 80 million, and he's a, he's a bit part defender. Um, how do you make sense of this? And then, and then it even makes Jocelyn's business look even better, doesn't it, Lee? I mean, it's five million. He must have definitely been knocking the hip out of Hughes's daughter or something, you know? Because oh he God, away from the away from the club like a shot. I don't know. I I, I really kind of get my head around some of the things that are happening in this window. This this thing with Mbappe about PSG buying him and knowing him back. Why why am I not even agreeing to that? You know, the, it it it's. It, it's very bizarre. It, it, there's too many weird things happening. And I mean, Townsend, um, 
Yeah, and he's dating be a bloody brilliant player, but he's not a 27 million player. Oh, is Andrew back? <laughs> that one out quickly, pal. <laughs> um, that's, why, that's, why, that's why I'm saying, Neil, that's why when I seen uh, I said at the time straight away this was all this was even before the Dwight Gale rumours but the minute Middlesbrough signed that uh, whatever his name centre forward for 15 million from Notts Forest I said Christ that makes Dwight Gale a 30 million pound footballer straight away yeah yeah oh absolutely I mean you, you look at the figures being bandied around Wood from Leeds to Burnley oh, I <laughs> yeah 15 million <laughs> and then he scores at the weekend 15 million no <laughs> Yes, he's, he's had a couple of good seasons in the championship, um, but he, he's he's had somebody had him at the top flight before, didn't they? And he was he was just nada. He was nothing. Aye. Um, I think I might have got a bargain in that uh, Stoke centre forward. Um, well, have, mate. I mean, bear in mind that. You've got to bear in mind he actually was given his debut at Real Madrid by Jose Mourinho and he scored on it. Aye. So he was in a county club. He got a start there. He's, he's obviously had a few. You know, a few, uh, not obviously not the best, the best, um, best of luck when he's been at a few clubs. But there was a, there's a guy I know who lives in Germany, and apparently the German club he paid for, their fans were desperate for him to come back. They were good mm. that he left. Um, and like I said, I, I judged um, his signing based on the Stoke fans' reaction on social media, and they weren't happy at all. So, no. well, that was a good thing. Well, I've got to bring in my next guest this evening. It's John. He's on a bit earlier this evening. Good evening, John. How are you? <laughs> Didn't expect that, did he? <laughs> Good evening, John. How are you? How are you? Good. I'm not too bad. I'm not too bad. So tell me, were you very impressed with Newcastle at the weekend, or are you more concerned about um, transfers in and out of the club? Um, first of all, I, thought, um, I didn't go to the game on Saturday, but um, I saw the highlights. I thought you were really, really excellent against a very poor West Ham team. But we had mm. to win that game because um, it, was, it was like a six-point out, really, at the early mm. stage of the season. But I'm just so glad that we um, actually won that. I thought we played really well. I thought Marino looks a player, don't he, him, man? And, um, you know, and um, I thought the Kieran Clark had a really, really good game. And um, yeah. I thought, um, I thought Hossley as well. Well, I tell you something: if he scores more goals than he performs like he did um, on Saturday, then that could be the best five million probably ever ever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. just yeah, exactly. I, just hold on for one minute. I've got to bring in my regular guest. Sorry, I, I, I'll just put you on hold for a second. Hold on. Well, good evening to my, my regular guest, uh, Chris Parry, calling from the United States. Good evening, Chris. How are you? Good evening. Good evening, Andrew. How are you doing, sir? Not, not too bad. Not too bad. So, obviously, it's, you've had a nice weekend. You've watched um, Newcastle United win um, in the US. So, you must be full of beans after after that. And then, plus, we have the, we've got the, um, the transfer window uh, this week. What was your take on the performance and... Obviously, we'll get to Mitrovic in a minute, but what, was your, what, what did you take from the game? First of all, uh, I want to say thanks for all of the, the well wishes from everybody across oh, the yeah, world Houston, yeah. for our state, because our state is getting absolutely hammered right now, the state of Texas. I'm lucky mm-hmm. enough that I'm, uh, you know, my, I live in Tyler, which is near Dallas, which is, you know, which is a couple hundred miles away from, you know, I'd say 300 miles north of Houston. So Houston's in really bad shape. But, uh, it was, you know, Newcastle, I, I'm telling you, Andrew, I was just about to tweet out that if, if 
Alan Pardue or someone else played as negative as Newcastle was playing in that game, we would have been going crazy. You know, the long ball soccer mm-hmm. and all this type of the long ball football. But, you know, then all it took was one turnover, one moment of brilliance, a terrific mm-hmm. play, you know, uh, with, the, you know with, with Atsu, and he and gets mm-hmm. it into the, new, into the new man, and the man finds the back of the net. It was like, it was like this huge fog had just been lifted. Mm-hmm. Really, this whole weight had been lifted from all us Newcastle, all of the Newcastle United supporters. We were able to breathe again, and you know, yeah, you know, we 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 rode our luck a little bit. I thought that was a terrific play by Clark to uh, keep uh, to keep Chicharito from uh, from equalizing. But after that, it was all Newcastle. I mean, they just dominated. It was fantastic. Uh, it 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 was just nice to finish off an opponent in that way. And I came out, you know, I told my wife, I was like, you know, I've waited almost over almost two years now for a Premier League win. You know, now the, you know, the, the Newcastle got a Premier League victory again. So it's, uh, you know what, I'll take, if, I'll take, I'll take wins over, top, over draws any day of the week. If, you know, I think Newcastle's probably going to lose. There's no doubt they're going to lose uh, the occasional game uh, you know, just because sometimes they just give it up. But I would much rather like to take wins over draws Whenever you know, whenever we're not winning, I think that that's going to be the key to keep Newcastle up and keep stacking the three points. Just keep stacking the three points. It was it was good. I mean, what do you think, Andrew? I mean, I, I thought that I thought that definitely in the second half they were just all over West Ham. West Ham looked totally disinterested. Yeah, I think that, I think um, they, they made they made a mistake. I think West Ham made an error in the summer in not making a change. Anyway, it was quite obvious that. Village, no matter what sign he's brought in, um, it, it, they're not functioning the way that they should, and they haven't got over selling. Um, what was that player? I can't remember the player's name now, but um, one of their, their star player last season. So, um, you know, you, but you know, they they can complain about a lot of things. The same way Tottenham can complain about the fact that they're, they're in a new stadium. So when you look at West Ham. For sure, against Newcastle, they would have played. I think they always figured they would have, you know, Andy Carroll will be in the team. Uh, they would, you know, start the season well. They would go long ball a lot of the time. But when they they came here, that's probably the first time I've seen West Ham basically give it up uh, because it was so tight in the first half. Um, but as soon as the first goal went in, it was like, you know, they they just. It was still open. It was still the game was still incredibly open, but um, you know the the second goal. Even even then, you actually thought Clark Clark was going to miss it because he was he was like two yards out. But um, I know. I mean, how many times Newcastle players have missed fitters? Yeah, everyone wants. I mean, I know. You know, fair play to the man. He's gone off to Ajax, but we're all going to remember Sim Young <laughs> missing the biggest fitter yeah. in the world. You know, when Newcastle needed a victory so bad, you know, two years ago when they were trying to stay up. So, I mean, it was, you know, you're right. For once, the ball actually hit off the post and went in for Newcastle. It was nice to actually, it was nice, it was nice to get a victory. He was trying his best not to score. (laughs) Yes, he was. He was doing his best. What do you think about this whole Dwight Dwight Gale thing? I mean, this kind of came out of left field over the last couple days. And Mm -hmm. I guess it makes sense because... You know, he didn't do very well with Crystal Palace. Um, he was just a revelation for us last season. I don't think Newcastle wins the league without Dwight Gale. But it's, there's some, I don't know if it's the physicality. I don't know, maybe he's a, he is injured. I don't know what the deal is. But he was absolutely absent from, from those games. And you could just see a complete difference 
with Joe Salou up front. From the from the word go, even though I thought West Ham was really you know it probably had a, you know a pretty good portion of the possession before Newcastle scored, I thought Joe Salou was putting himself in good spots and you could you could constantly hear his name. I don't remember hearing Dwight Hill's name once in the you know against yeah. Tottenham or against uh, you know, against Huddersfield. Yeah, I think um, I think the good thing about Joe Salou, I think I think uh, I think Lee mentioned it or Neil one of the two that he's he would have paid for well paid for the fee will pay for itself if he scores ten goals this season, and you know you can you can see you've got a player that's got a hunger you've got a nice heartbeat of you know English players you've got a nice heartbeat of foreign players and you can tell they're all in it together. He give us he give us he give us a presence Andrew a massive presence. Um, they the two West Ham centre backs didn't know what to do with him. He was linking everything together um, and that presence yep. was was much needed. The ball wasn't coming straight back. Yeah, yeah because that's been no, the problem. No, you're right. Lately. Yeah, you're right. It was it was actually staying up there. He was holding he was holding possession, which is something that frankly Dwight Gale can't do. I mean Gale is a poacher, he can get in there and he can score the odd goal. He would be someone who does all the dirty work, but he's not going to do the dirty Yeah, I agree with Lee. I think if he if if Dwight Gale can play alongside um I think you've got to think of Perez then, though, haven't you? So, but I don't think he, he would do yeah, it. Yeah, that's the thing, guys. I think, I think Perez really had shown some things in the last couple of games. For one thing, he does not get pushed off the ball as much as he used to. I remember we were complaining about that, about you know when they played uh, Huddersfield. I couldn't believe how soft they were. How like, you know, this is the Premiership. Mm. Let's get after it. But I thought, I thought uh, Iozzi, you know, he, hasn't, he still hasn't got his shooting boots on. But my goodness, has he been in good spots. You know, and, and he's playing defense. He's holding the ball up. I wish he had a little bit more creativity, but I'm telling you what, if the goals start coming, if the goals start coming, I think that Yozy is really going to take off. He really seems like he's kind of found his form uh, when Newcastle need it most. They just need one more striker. I don't know if it's Jovetic. I don't know if it's Iceland guy that I've never heard of before. You know what I mean? It's, uh, it's amazing where they find these guys. But they just need one striker. Um, I'm not sure uh, when Yedlin's going to come back. That you know, it'd be nice to have another left back. Uh, I think Mbemba is doing uh, Yeoman's work and doing. He's playing out of position, and he's showing that you know he's doing what he can. He's going forward. You guys notice that, but once he goes forward, holy smokes, he doesn't really know what to do with that. <laughs> At least with Yedlin, when Yedlin goes forward, we know a good cross is coming in and something's going to happen. So uh, that, I think that that means they need to get two players in. Uh, you know what? I'm not saying Mike Ashley's right because we don't. We we all we're not going to say Mike Ashley's right ever. Mike Ashley drives us crazy. But you can't. You got to admit the guy was right a little bit about getting these guys off the payroll that are just doing nothing but taking up space. Yeah, I but mean, you know, do you not think Rafa was? No, I don't. I, I think you're wrong there. I think Rafa's always known that he's got. He's these, the players are going to come in. We're going to go back out as soon as it got up. I, so I, I, you can't give him any credit at all because if you lie, if you lie to somebody's face, uh, Chris, which he, which he's done, he's, he's actually told, he's actually told us he did anyway. But they, that was the, that's the whole point of being, that's the whole point of being in charge of the, you know, the ins and outs of the club. And, you know, you, and Andrew, if he, yeah. if he didn't bring in those players last season, we might not necessarily have gone up. Yeah. Yeah. He brought championship players in last season that got us out of the championship. Yeah. 
Job done. Yeah. He, he did. Job he did. He made. He definitely made. He definitely made a couple of uh, mistakes too. I mean, I think that uh, is it Grant Hanley, whoever that center back is. He is mm. just not up to the races, and he wasn't up to the races last year either. Yeah, I don't think he was very you know, good. Like, I don't know what happened to Atraf Lazar. I really was hoping to see Atraf Lazar. Yeah, it's an interesting one, that one. Yeah. Develop, but I don't know what happened. I mean, I don't know if he pissed off uh, Benitez or what, but he's gone. You know, I mean, Colback, God bless him. Colback, unfortunately, is kind of the poster boy for everything that's been wrong with Newcastle since he's been coming there What's because that? he doesn't – he works What's the that, stock up, but he doesn't offer very much. What was that, Neil? No, with Lazar, there's something going on behind the scenes. I no doubt about that because that's strange. He was Benitez's signing. He's come in yep. with high hopes for him. We've seen very, very little of him. Um, and you know what it is, uh, Neil? Maybe, you know, yeah. the, only, the last game he played, I think it was Hull away in the cup, and he actually played well that day at Hull. Aye, aye. It, it, I, the I, thing I, is, he had I, pace, I, didn't he? He seemed to have pace. It just, just doesn't seem to add up. I don't get it. No, I agree. You know. I think I think Benitez almost needs to explain himself on this one because, and I mean, you know, they 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 get rid of the the big center forward guy who goes to I guess it's to Huddersfield. No, no, he didn't go. He went to what? He went to uh, who? Who Newcastle lose in the cup? Yeah, not Forest. Not Forest. Not Forest. So, not yeah. Forest. You know, I, I thought if you're going to keep, if, if someone had deserved Dusty for a chance to stay in the prem and maybe help out for the odd, it was him. You know, he was a he was a really good servant for the club. So you let him go. You keep this Hanley guy who really looks like he's out of his depth whenever you can't even well, hang, Hanley's you know, in a, in, a, in a... By the looks of things. Hanley's off the Norwich. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I'm just thankful Lucky. he's gone for a figure, though. <laughs> I'm pleased he's gone for a monetary figure. To be fair, though, when he was called upon last season, when we needed him to the odd game here and yeah. there, he did not well in the championship, honestly. He yeah. did not wrong for it. He's not, he wasn't so, I mean, good, so I'm not good enough for the Premier League. We all know that. Yeah. Well, the, I think the problem I thought with Hanley, especially against Sheffield Wednesday, like the one, the one thing that you thought about Hanley, he was a captain of Blackburn, and you know he, he looked like a, he looked like a warrior, uh, but a lot of the time in the back in the back line, I never I never found that he was the warrior I expected, and uh, a couple of times he was found out. He's been found out. Whenever he's played, obviously he's played in the cup today this season. But that was a problem with Hanley, I thought, because you, you and it, maybe it's a bit, maybe it's a bit like um, John Terry. John Terry's gone down a division, and they're being found out in that league. So yeah. you know, it's it's things. I was happy to say to Grant Halley this, Grant Halley this summer, because they obviously need to get their defence sorted after getting hooked for 3 nil on Barnsley at the weekend. <laughs> yeah, I know, exactly. Well, th- thanks, Lee, for coming on. I've just got to, I've got to bring another guest. Maybe by the morning. Thanks, mate. Thanks, Lee. Take care, mate. See you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye. Sorry. Go ahead, uh, Chris. No, I was saying, guys, one thing that's just interesting is that it's amazing the number of players that we have wanted to kick out the door that end up really helping us. Like Mbemba, can you imagine if Mbemba wasn't here? I mean, I don't yeah. know where, who would be playing left, you know, who would be playing in that position? He's stepped in and really done a, really done a job for Newcastle. And everybody's wanting, you know, and they wanted him out. You know, I mean, uh, yeah, I, I think he's, I, I think he's actually been a pretty darn good player. Uh, what do you guys think? I mean, I, I don't think he's. I mean, I yeah. know that obviously when a, wing, when a winger runs at him, you're you're holding your breath, going, "Oh my gosh, here we go, he's going to probably." But that's not his natural position. He's just trying to do what he can. He's usually a center, a center back. Yeah. My problem with him at left fullback, um, Chris, is that he's he's so right-footed. 
so he automatically yes. narrows the pitch down from that side. Um, I, I, I said earlier in the show, my feelings on him is I just don't think he's another one that Rafa doesn't trust. He doesn't hold his position well at centre-back. He, he was at one time the best defender at the club, but that wasn't saying much. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, and, and I think he... I think he gets far too carried away in carrying the ball forward. I don't even think for his national team he plays centre-back very often. He plays more as a sort of uh, shield and midfield player. And I think this is this is something he, he, he's another bits and pieces player and I think he, he needs to get a chance to establish in, in a role. And he won't because he's, he's a, bit, a little bit of a jack-of-all-trades master of none as a result, you know? What are the hey guys? What about, right. that what about the South American guy that they're that they're looking at um, to bring in? Is this true? Well, I, heard, or is this going to be one of those? I heard this this today that they were describing the deal as complicated. Yeah. That usually means <laughs> there's about 10, 10 million that's, agents involved. Partial ownership. That sounds like to me. I'm going to hear the BS. We couldn't get it car, over the line. In a car dealership or something like that. You know, it it, it this. The danger with South American transfers at the minute in this this market is that they all seem to be convoluted at best, and and they're not deals that happen quickly, and I think that's the problem. Is I think we need a deal to happen quickly. Although the way the Ita- the uh, uh, the press in South America were talking about it, it sounded like it was almost a done deal. So I'd, I'd you know, but then you've got the question mark: How quickly does the lad adjust to the Premiership? Because um, we've seen plenty, so we've had a fair share of good South Americans, but we've had a fair share of um, rank average South Americans playing widely out of their depth. Um, so um, I, I would rather see him sign somebody who we could genuinely just chuck straight into the side. End of story, mm-hmm. you know. But um, let's see. Um, hey, do you guys I, think that there anybody? Is there anybody in the lower in the championship right now that? That you're thinking, okay, we can get a man, and he actually can he actually can perform at this level. He just hasn't had the chance because they really haven't got that many championship plays. I mean, it's like they've been they've only been going to, to, to Syria or Spain or or something like that. I'm just wondering if if there is someone that's flipping through the cracks that you know we can give a chance to that, that actually wouldn't cost an arm and a leg to bring him up. I, I would say that you, the problem there is that he would cost an arm and a leg. Because the way the mm. transfer prices are going now, Championship club sees us coming along, and we want our best fullback prospect, for example. They're going to they're going to think of a number, double it, and then put it through a calculator and see what comes out at the end. And I think this is this is the other problem in this market. Um, I think Rafa's seen that coming, and I think that's why he wanted to get his business done early, which is the frustration of him missing out on targets based on the fact that we missed out on them because we wouldn't pay them enough wages and it could have been all done and dusted. We're going to lose money, more money in the long run by having to then make these ridiculously expensive deals as a result. Yeah, exactly. Well, I've got to bring in my last call of the night. Thanks for coming on, Chris. I appreciate it as ever. Uh, we'll, uh, yeah, we'll pick it up. Uh, we'll, see, we'll see you in a couple of weeks after the international break. Hopefully we got a couple of players in and hopefully we can start stacking up more victories. Exactly. Yeah, Thanks, Chris. Chris. Appreciate it. Cheers, mate. Take Good care. Luck, mate. Bye now. Bye. Well, we're going to bring in a last caller tonight, and that's uh, John, Newcastle United fan. Sorry about before, John. I had to get my regular caller in. I know you're normally the last one to come on. So tell me, you were, you were talking about Newcastle United, uh, the way that we played, and now uh, we've got the transfer window open up, but you, you must, you've obviously been impressed with Joe Salou and uh, Marino. 
and uh, at least we we got a few goals in on on Saturday, isn't it? Absolutely fantastic, Andrew. Really is. Um, yeah, just really impressed over the two lads. I'm on the Saturday sort of thing. Was just um, like so, Hoslu holds the ball up well, sort of thing. Comes in the play, and he really gets better. And um, as for Reno, he's just box office. I mean, I don't want to put pressure on the young lad, sort of thing. He's only <laughs> already <laughs> no, bloody hell. Uh, box office. What, what, I mean, watching him, it's just watching um, Xavi Alonso or Andrea Pirlo. But I mean. He's just—he's only young. He's going to get better and better. And um, if he fits in, sort of thing, it'll be fine. And um, have we got like a, um, have we got first diffuse on the line? He's on the season long loan, isn't he? Have you he, might know uh, that one. On, uh, on who? Sorry. Marino. On, uh, Marino, Marino, yeah. No, what obligated to buy? He's loaned for a season, and we will buy him at the end of the season, and it's all done. Mm-hmm. We're obligated so it, to buy. It's not. It's not just a first refusal. We're obligated to buy at the end of the season. So, he's, it's done. So technically, so technically, we he's um got Newcastle player. Yeah. yeah, he's yeah. technically a Newcastle player now. Yes. Fantastic. The way it is, it's a loan with an obligation to buy at the end of the season. It's been Let's structured hope. that way again. It's it's a, one of these funky FFP ticky box things. Mm-hmm. But, uh, but yeah, we we he will be. He is as effective now our player. Yeah. Fantastic. I mean, that's a fantastic deal if that, if that goes through as long as Rafa's there as well. And talking of Rafa, I mean, I don't know if you heard, I mean, um, it's just true that uh, Mike Ashley is um, brought to one of his two PRs at um, Barnes and Dan Bishop trying to force Rafa out. I don't know if that's the rumour going around like, you know, I don't know if it's true. I hope it's not. I don't want it to be, but something right there. I don't know well, what you guys think. Well, about. I think because he's because he's already come out in the press and said he's no longer going to be the long term. Uh, Newcastle United is not the long term project for him now. Uh, so he, he, just by his own words, it's, it will be his last season Newcastle manager, unless of course we get taken over. Because you don't, he doesn't say things lightly, does Rafa? Does he, Neil? No, he doesn't. This is this is part of the game. I, w- I would, wouldn't read everything that he says as 100% gospel as it stands. You've got to mm-hmm. remember there is a PR war going on within our club between the owner and the manager. And as a fan base, we have made it perfectly clear where we stand. And I think that's all we can keep doing this season is that to show that we can unite behind that man. We can be mm-hmm. the asset to the club that we are because any potential buyer looking at that will listen to the diatribe that comes out of London, will listen to the diatribe that comes out of Qatar and be in sports, that were demanding, that were unrealistic, that were mm. difficult to work with, that were protest at the drop of a hat. And we all know that that's an absolute load of crap. It's bullshit. Simple as that. What we do is we'll passionately support our club. End. And we will back anybody like Rafa, and if we show, as a fan base, we can unite like that, anybody looking on in might just go, bloody hell, that's a force to be reckoned with, potentially. And that's the way we've got to keep playing it. We're playing it sensibly. I, I thought the lads with the flags did an amazing job at the weekend. One flag, Rafa, end. Mm. Yeah, true. One flag. Well said, no Neil. Protest. Well said, son. No protest, no banner, no mm. shenanigans, no handwritten mm. things, nobody playing the dick, nothing. <laughs> just one flag, Rafa. Well said, son. Well said. Honestly, I mean, I, I totally agree. I totally agree with the man. 
you know, we just got to keep playing the football, keep supporting the Rafa sort of thing, take no notice what Ashland is really done, right? You know, we just go to the match, we support the man because we love that man. Rafa is God, and I'll tell you something else to know, right? Ashley knows if he messes this one up, right? Trust what I say, this guy's okay. They will be hell on. Oh, and this imagine. is, is going to be worse. This is going to get worse than what happened in Keegan. Keegan yeah. Right? Oh, definitely. And I, and I tell you what, I said this on Twitter, sort of thing. There should be, and then if he's going to agree with us on this one, guys, there should be an empty stadium. A hop at AC Milan, and it was an absolute tweak. And they <laughs> listened to us, and look what's happened to them now. Yeah, I think I think with Newcastle, that, that's the, that's always going to be the problem in a way because yes, we, we would like to you know have some dramatic change in Newcastle, um, but is he daft enough to think? Well, do I get rid of him? Well, he's already kind of said I'm going. <laughs> he kind of he's already said that. So um, would Mike Ashley take the bait? Well, he's an idiot first and foremost, isn't he? So oh, yeah. when you've got an idiot, an idiot will always do what an idiot is used to doing. And mm-hmm. for all these apologies yeah. that he's made to all the other managers at Newcastle, uh, and then a player that you know, one a legend of the club, um, it's not a lot to ask to think. Well, would he do it again? You bet your arse he would. Yeah, yeah. I tell you, <laughs> Yeah, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you what, he's yeah, saying that in about five years' time, when he does another interview, he's saying, oh, I apologise to Rafa, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, right. But let me tell you something, right? I mean, Mr. Owner, right? I mean, in 10 years, he's had two relegations, two near misses, right? A fifth place, right? And it's reckless owner of Newcastle United. It's absolutely appalling. Honest mm-hmm. to God, it really is. Like, big clubs never agree with us. We've had five relegations in our club's history, and two of them have been under this man's reign. Yeah, thing. that's what I'm saying. That's, that's, <laughs> that, you know, whenever anybody, again, you chop you this out whenever we're told that we're unrealistic and we're demanding and why we're turning on the man and we wouldn't have a club mm-hmm. if it wasn't for him. Well, he's... Yeah. When he's complaining about not having money, he's cost himself a good two, a good hundred million for that by getting relegated twice. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it's ridiculous, ridiculous. It really is. And I think the thing is, he, he, remember, John, remember on, on that interview, the infamous interview he's done with Newcastle. He, he's always turning and said, "Oh, he's, he's he always says, oh, I've learned from mistakes, and it can't happen again. I can't afford to leave to to leave the." Um, the Premier League, but he does everything he can to make it as hard as hell uh, for the manager, whoever, whichever manager is in charge, to to basically uh, have have trouble. And you know, even even one of his best friends, one of one of the guys that he brought in 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 Pardew, he he, he still tried when Pardew wanted somebody, he still he still made it very very difficult. For for him to bring in anybody that he wanted to bring in, numerous times he tried to bring in Andy Carroll and he he couldn't he couldn't do it. So it's it you know it's not just it's not just um, people he wants to be in charge, like the idiocy that he, when we talked about um, what's his name, uh, John uh, John Carver right? John Carver goes on TV with other ex managers, ex players of Newcastle who should know better, and um, they're talking about you know the fact that. Oh, I had a personal relationship with Mike Ashley. You know, it's it's 
there's nothing to say that if if he had won a few more games, Mike Ashley would have kept him in. That's that's the problem, isn't it? He, he takes the easy option all the time, and if he can control people, probably this is the problem. He can't control Rafa Benitez. That's the that's the problem, you know? and I think Quite clearly, it's it's obvious, isn't it? He, he thinks, oh well, but he, it, to me, it's not a lot to ask to think. Well, okay, if I'm gonna if I'm gonna um, you know, want to be at this club, and I don't really want to get too much involved in it. You would think you'd want somebody who's neurotic enough to take to take charge of it, and um, you know, run it the way that it that he should until somebody eventually comes in and says, "Okay, here, I want I want to I want to be in charge of I want to be in charge of the club, and take it from there." So, it's you know, it with with Mike Ashley, it's like it's like softball. It's always a hit and a miss. <laughs> But you know it's it's going to be it's going to be interesting what's going to happen with um, Newcastle. But um, do you, are you hoping for a couple of players in and a lot out, uh, uh, John? They have to come through the door. I mean, Rafa knows exactly who he wants. He wants a goalkeeper. He needs a left back. He definitely needs number ten and another striker. So look at about four players coming through the door. Because like I said last week, we're awfully short on players and quality as well. But we definitely need four players in, and I think that would be. But I, could, I don't know if Black Girls going to go in. I mean, there's room as to him leaving the club. I hope mm. he doesn't. Yeah, I think I'd, I, I'd, I'd, I'd be surprised if he goes, but. So um, you know, it would surprise it, me, Andrew. It, I, I, I just think it's. Nothing yeah. would surprise me, honestly. This, this transfer window is a bizarre one at best mm. for numerous, numerous different reasons. Um, but not not simply because of the curious way the money's been doled around this 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 year, and so nothing would surprise me because I think if they they look at it and think, is this going to last like this? Is the next transfer window going to be as bizarre as this one? We might not get this money for this player ever again, and therefore they might just take the chance and take it. So who knows, mate? If if this is actually might actually be. In, in some respects, an interesting transfer window. Yet part of his hopes is dull as dishwater and we just get about and do some business. It's not going to happen, like, is it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, thanks so much for coming on, John. It's been a great show tonight. We've had a lot of people on it. And uh, let's just hope we might have a show next Monday with regards to the transfer window. But thanks so much for coming on, John. It's been a pleasure as ever. Thanks so much, mate. Thanks a lot. Take care now. You too, lad. Cheers. Thanks. Sir. Cheers now. Uh, well, obviously, thanks to all my guests tonight, especially um, my uh, co-commentator in Neil Mitchell. Thanks, Neil. Cheers, Andrew. And uh, we'll have a chat obviously in a second. But uh, thanks for the show, and we'll catch you possibly next week to talk about the transfer window. I'll be out too late. Got